the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a Friday. Thank goodness for that. Hey, I, I go along with that, man. I'm ready for Friday. I'm ready for the weekend. Hey, now. Looks like it's going to be absolutely beautiful this weekend. 90 degrees both days. Uh, I think that the uh, humidity is just going to be in the 70 percentile. It's going to feel like it's 100 degrees both days, but I can handle that. Yeah. I can handle that. And it's okay. been a beautiful week. It has really been a beautiful week. Well, he took a took a week off. He's back in the saddle again. Hey, Matt now. Smith is back with us. Hey, of course, now. the owner of the theaters in Searcy, in Cabot, in Little Rock at the Riverdale 10, and then uh, what he's doing down in Hot Springs now. Great things. New movies this week. Let me just say, I've been waiting. This year, I had about five movies I really, really wanted to see. Now, Godzilla was at the top of my list. But number two, very close, was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And went and saw it last night. And Where'd you see it? I saw it over at the, the Cabot VIP. That's where I went. That's where I always go. Don't go out of town. Don't go back. Come back down to Little Rock. Don't have to. Why would you? Because the, the screens are big. The sound is impeccable. Dolby 7.1. The food is great. The price is right. He's got the reclining seats. I sat in the back rows of uh, Theater 3 last night, right in the middle of the screen. And, you know, Matt, I got to say, I I was expecting good things out of Tarantino. I think he is the best director in America today. What about... uh, Maybe just in movies in general. What about Francis Ford Coppola? Coppola is good, but what's he done lately? What about Martin Scorsese? What's he done lately? What about George Lucas? Yeah. What's he done lately? What about Steven Spielberg? You know, they're all great directors. I'm talking about working today. Working. Okay. Let's talk working. Now, Spielberg, eh, I, you know, he hasn't, his crowning achievement as far as I'm concerned was Schindler's List. Okay. I don't think he'll ever do another movie better than that movie. That movie was it's so moving, you cannot watch that movie and not have tears in your eyes. That's his appetite for destruction. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Fantastic. Tour de force. Drop the mic. But I'm going to tell you what. I didn't think Tarantino could do anything better than Inglorious Bastards. Okay. That was an awesome movie. Okay. What's your, what's your, so your number one was Inglorious Bastards. What was your number not two? Not anymore. What was your number two? Not Tarantino? anymore. What was your number two in Tar- Tarantino flick? Pulp Fiction. Okay. All right. What was number three? Django Unchained. Okay, all right. What was number four? Reservoir Dogs. Okay. Number five, a movie that probably a lot of people didn't like would be on the bottom of their list, Jackie Brown. I'd put Kill Bill at number five. What was that? You know, I forgot. Kill Bill, number five. Kill Kill Bill. Bill six. Okay. Jackie. Okay. But I'm just saying. After Jackie what? Push it down. After Jackie what? Push it down. After Jackie what? What was was this number two that he did with uh, Rodriguez? Death Proof. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an underrated movie. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You know, as well. Yeah. Uh, so okay. that's where I So that's number right seven. Here. Yeah, I'm okay. trying to think. Right. He's, got, he's done nine movies. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay. Well, well eight. There's eight. You, you eight. Know, there's just there's eight. Right. You know, if you don't count I've the newest got, one, there's I've eight. I got that there's DV eight. set. Yeah, there's eight. You know, if you don't count the new one, you know yeah. the the oh, uh, yeah the hate the hateful eight. Yeah, that is that is his worst film. Yeah, I that's do. the worst film. I do. Hateful Eight is the way worst film. too much talking in that movie. This is the worst film. Yeah, yeah. It's but the worst bottom one. line, now I put Once Upon a Time in Hollywood at number one. I'm just telling you, everything he did in that movie, I watched it. He hit it right out of the ballpark. I watched it. The first showtime today at the Riverdale Ten. That's Riverdale Ten dot com. Riverdale Ten dot com. It's on two screens. And of course, we got the luxury leather electric recliners with tables and reserved seating, mm-hmm. a full food menu, over ten different wines, forty different beers. Once upon a time in Hollywood is on two screens. I watched it the first show this morning. Left and came here for the radio program today. And if you can hear my voice, I don't care what you plan to do today. Do not do that <laughs> and go watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Now, last summer, there were four motion pictures I wanted to see. Mile 22. Which was a great movie. With Mark Wahlberg. Mission Impossible with Tom Cruise. Sicario 2. Which was a disappointment. And Equalizer 2. Which was not. Those are the four I wanted to see last summer. This summer, I wanted to see two films. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is out today. And Hobbs and Shaw which is out next week, Friday. I kind of wanted to see Rocket Man, but I was incredibly disappointed and left, I don't know, probably 40% of the films. Major disappointment. Now, back in October, I saw A Star is Born, I saw Bohemian Rhapsody, and I saw Green Book back in October. Between October and today, the best motion picture I have seen is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, hands down. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you this again. Whatever you had planned to do today, do not do that. Stop what you're doing. Go to the theater and watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It is the number one Quentin Tarantino it is, film. It is definitely a, a not his, miss experience. His best film ever. Yes. I debate what's second. Either Django Unchained... Or in Glorious Bastards, I go back and forth on which one I love the most. Yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is spot on. Everything about it is awesome. It's told in a wonderful way. You don't have um, uh, the typical Quentin Tarantino tricks. It is standard chronological storytelling. Straight on. It's done very well. Um, I, I cannot recommend it enough. I'm going to tell you what. You go and see who's in that movie after you've seen the movie and see if you picked him up. Kurt Russell's in the film. Yeah. He, Al Pacino's you, in the film. You'll pick him up. Al Pacino first, I thought that was, uh, what's his name from uh, John Wick? Leonardo uh, DiCaprio's <laughs> in the film. Brad Pitt. Margot Robbie. I'm going to stop Timothy, you. Timothy I'm stop, Oliphant. I'm going to stop you right there. Okay. I believe it's the best acting job ever for Brad Pitt or DiCaprio. They, oh, man, I don't know. They are just... I don't know. They're sitting in that... Man, movie. I Here's don't know. Here's my key. I totally forgot I don't it know. was those two. They completely I inhabited... Don't know, I don't know. ...the characters they were playing. I mean, how he takes a real event, and then he creates the Brad Pitt character and the, and the Leonardo DiCaprio character, and he makes them composites of real Hollywood stars 
and he weaves that fictional narrative into telling the true story of what happened with Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski is incredible. Mm-hmm. I like how he did that. I like how he pulled it together. The sets, the cars, the clothes, the food, the Dude. TV advertisements, everything's spot on. I was 16 years old in 69. I'm just telling everything's you. Everything's spot on. Perfect. It is spot on. It flows like it should. Yep. I'm... I, he didn't slow anything down I can't, for, for dialogue. No, I, I this can't. Time. No, I can't even. I, I, I don't know, man. Wolf of Wall Street was a powerful motion picture. The Revenant was a powerful motion. Yeah, they picture. were. But here's I what mean, I mean. Let me let me make my point. All right, you knew DiCaprio was acting. All right, you watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and he. Doesn't seem like he's acting. I think both Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio in the film play versions of themselves from real life. Well, maybe that's so, what it is, but they were perfect think, in there. I think that's why it fits together so well. And they're also the perfect age for the characters that they play. I would love to see them both win Academy Awards. And it is it is it is set in a way where there's a lot of upheaval and change in Hollywood during this time frame, and that's currently going on right now mm. in the motion picture business. So I and Tarantino shakes his finger at it a he, little he bit. He does somewhat, yes, and but still, I, I you can pick apart his other movies, but he he tells you an awesome story in this film, and he doesn't really put the Quentin on it. Yeah. Until the very end. Yep. The very end, he yep. stamps it as his film. Yep. But it's the last five minutes. I agree with that. Okay. And the first <laughs> two and a half hours, two hours and 40 minutes of the thing, it's about 245 or so. It's, it's amazing. Roughly. It doesn't seem that long. No, 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 no. The film's on fire all the way through. It's oh, awesome. my God. It's a it's great awesome. movie. little comic relief in there, too. That's fine. But he doesn't stamp it, Quentin, until the last five minutes. Mm-hmm. Then he puts a stamp on it. But the way it shapes up is perfect. Um, this can't be his last motion picture. There's no way after this. I read this guy, a recent interview, and just he no said he was doing one more. There's he, no way. He wants to do Ten. an R-rated Star Trek movie. Well, He says he wants to. This is what he said. It made me laugh when I read it. Yeah, I don't he know. wants to do Pulp Fiction in space. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. As, Can you as, imagine? I don't know. As good as he makes gritty motion pictures, I don't know if he should go the sci-fi route. I, I just his films have such a real life to them, such a depth to yeah, them. When you yeah. yeah, when you take the history of the Civil War, what he's done there, you take the petty crime stuff, you take the World gang War stuff II. he's done. Yeah, I don't know if he should go that route. But, you know, when he was talking about a year ago, this is his last motion picture, and he was going to maybe, I don't know, take time off and then possibly do some documentaries, a little bit of TV. Yeah. I think that's bull. I think after this hits and it rocks at the box office, oh, it's plus, rock. plus the awards considerations. It's going to rock at the, uh, the awards. It's really, I don't know any He's movie. Back. I, there's no movie I've seen They're coming year. up later. They'll come up later this Okay, year. well, it might, yeah, but I'm just saying I don't see anything better than yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood T- right now. Typically, typically, you know, they load up the uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas season with the award contenders. That's typically yeah. what they do. And, you know, that's why you got – a Star is Born, Bohemian Rhapsody, and Green Book late in the year last year. Go see it. Go see it. I, you know, I can't, I can't recommend it enough. I can tell you what else is playing. Yeah. You Riverdale10.com. Now, I'm going to tell you, on, at Riverdale 10, there's another movie I want to see. Okay. It looks hilarious. Okay. And it's the one about self-defense. Oh, that's on at Riverdale 10. Exclusively at Riverdale 10, we have 
We have The Art of Self-Defense. Yeah, looks unbelievably funny. Funny movie that's on this week, exclusive at Riverdale 10. Also exclusively at Riverdale 10 this week, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Also exclusively at Riverdale 10, Wild Rose. Still showing Lion King, Spider-Man Far From Home, Toy Story 4, Yesterday, and Crawl. Riverdale10.com. Thursday night, we have the first showing of The Fast and Furious Presents. Oh, that's going to be a fun movie. Hobbs and Shaw. Those tickets are on sale at Riverdale10.com right now. Be sure to go to the website, download the free Theater Group mobile app, sign up for the email newsletter. Be sure you like us on Facebook, follow our events. The 2020 free popcorn bucket goes on sale August 2nd. It's good for free popcorn every Wednesday. August the second of twenty nineteen through December thirty first of twenty twenty. Refills are only four bucks. Two hundred ounces of popcorn. Make sure you grab one of those. They go on sale Friday. Coming up soon, August the ninth, we'll have the farewell. We have some other independent films coming up like Maiden. Tickets are on sale for all the special event films in August. Wizard of Oz, don't forget it. Second Tuesday in August. Better get those tickets because that thing will sell out. Riverdale10.com. Those tickets are already on sale. Now, if you're down in the big city of Hot Springs, it's HotSpringsVIP.com. HotSpringsVIP.com. Reserve seating, full food menu, serving beer and wine. Tickets and gift cards are available online at the website. Luxury leather electric recliners with tables and reserved seating in all auditoriums. Every chair in the building is recliner with a table. Showing this week, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Lion King, on two screens in 2D, Lion King in Real D 3D, Toy Story 4, Aladdin, Crawl, Spider-Man Far From Home, Riverdale10.com. On Monday and Tuesday, the doors open at 9 a.m., Smallfoot rated PG, runs at 10 a.m., and Salt and Popcorn is only a dollar during Smallfoot on Monday and Tuesday. Got to take a break. We'll come back. We'll finish up in Hot Springs. We'll head up to Cabot. We'll get out to Searcy. All that's coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you. Don't forget about Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency. Their phone number is 501-819-0373. They want to sit down with you and go over all of your insurance plans. What? You know, life insurance, home insurance, car insurance, motorcycle, boats, four-wheelers, whatever you've got insured, they want to talk to you about it because they believe when push comes to shove, the product that they offer through Allstate will be able to beat the product that you have right now, give you more coverage at less cost. Now, the only thing you have to do is to go over and sit down with the professionals at Dwayne Smith's Insurance Agency. It's that simple. You call them at 501-819-0373. They'll talk to you. They'll set you up for an appointment. You can go visit them at 3920 East Keel Avenue in Sherwood. Don't get screwed out of your insurance. I'm telling you, get it for the best price you can. That's Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency. All right. He's here. 
Matt Smith's here, so let's hey, turn it back over to him. Okay, so if you're in Hot Springs, it's hotspringsvip.com, reserve seating, full food menu, serving beer and wine, over 25 different beers, eight different wines, gift cards and tickets available online at our website, hotspringsvip.com, luxury leather electric recliners with tables in all auditoriums. Every seat in the building is a recliner with a table and reserve seating. Family Fun Film Series continues Monday with Smallfoot. It's rated PG. Monday and Tuesday, doors open at 9 a.m. Showtime is 10 a.m. $1 popcorn and $1 soda during Smallfoot on Monday and Tuesday. Showing this weekend, Lion King PG from Walt Disney on two screens. Lion King in Real D 3D. Toy Story 4 PG, also from Disney. Aladdin PG, also from Disney. Still showing Crawl. Still showing Spider-Man Far From Home, which is PG-13. Just broke a billion dollars worldwide. And we're showing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the new one from Quentin Tarantino with Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Leonardo DiCaprio. Just started today. It's a must-see. Tickets are on sale at hotspringsvip.com. Full food menu, serving beer and wine. Click menu at the website. 2020 free popcorn bucket goes on sale Friday, August the 2nd. Don't miss that. 200 ounces of free popcorn every Wednesday with the purchase of a ticket. You can refill the bucket anytime for just $4. Be sure to join the movie club for your rewards. You get a point for every dollar you spend at the cinema. Redeem those points for free concessions and free movie tickets. Movie club members will be eligible for $5 tickets on Tuesday, starting Tuesday, August 13th. Join movie club now. Go to our website, sign up for our email email newsletter, download our free mobile app, and like our Facebook and follow events. That's for all four locations in Arkansas. HotspringsVIP.com, all new parking lot, all new restrooms, all new auditoriums, more screens added. Feature Barco 4K projection, Real D 3D. Dolby Digital 7.1 Surround Sound in all auditoriums. Be sure to check it out. HotSpringsVIP.com. Now, if you're up in Dave's big city. Come on to Cabot. It's a big city of Cabot. Showing this weekend in Cabot. Join me at Colton's tonight where I'm having supper. Aladdin, PG from Disney. Toy Story 4, PG from Walt Disney. Lion King PG on two screens. Lion King 3D and Real D 3D. Spider-Man Far From Home PG-13. Crawl rated R. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood rated R. CabotVIPCinema.com is the website. Full food menu. Just click menu on the website to check it out. All four locations have the same menu. Onion rings, french fries, Bavarian pretzels, State Fair corn dogs, Eisenberg sausages, Nathan's hot dogs, ice cream, chocolate peanut butter pie, key lime pie, almonds, frozen Coke, frozen fruit punch, slushies, chicken tenders, White Castle cheeseburger sliders, pizza. All this food is made fresh when you order it. Luxury leather electric recliners with tables and reserved seating in all auditoriums, every seat in the building is one of those seats. Brand new remodel facility. CabotVIPCinema.com starting Thursday. Hobbs and Shaw. 30 seconds. Starting August the 9th. Scary stories to tell in the dark. Dora the Explorer. Racing in the rain. All start August the 9th. Those tickets are on sale now. CabotVIPCinema.com. All right. All right. 
That's the rundown. If you're going to movies tonight, you should be seeing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But get your tickets soon because you're going to need to do that if you want a seat. All right, let's get to uh, the news and we'll come back. Matt and I have more to talk about here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We are sitting here. Typically, you can look at a movie and go, yeah. you know, if he'd done this yeah. or done that, yeah. it'd been a little bit better. Yeah. There's none of that for me for no. Once Upon a It's a perfect no, movie as no, far as no, I'm it, concerned. It, it, it is. Just, just like Schindler's List, there's nothing I changed in Schindler's just, it's List. It's just spot on. I, I honestly, I mean, they gave it a ninety in the Democrat Gazette today, which is high praise for the Democrat Gazette, but still low, not high enough. Ninety, I would have, I would have pushed more for a ninety-five or yeah, 99. Or something. I mean, I, I just don't <laughs> just know. Saying. Having having just watched the film, I don't really know what I would change in the movie. I think yeah. it was solid on for what it should be. Well, I'm I mean, going to the movies again this weekend. I'm, okay, some friends of us of ours uh, mm-hmm. took off to Canada. And oh wow! Spent a week up there. Had a great time. They're back home. Canada. Okay. Now they're gonna they're gonna go out. We're gonna have dinner, mm-hmm. and we're gonna go, go Riverdale Ten. Mm-hmm. And I'm just gonna tell them, let's go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. And I'll see it again. Okay. There's just more to be. There's more to be dug out of that movie on a second viewing than you got in the first. You're just overwhelmed by how well the recreation is of nineteen sixty nine in that movie. It's I wanna I'm gonna buy the soundtrack. It's impeccable. You know, you love music. Yes. Okay. Yes. The 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 big big scene that comes up in the I'm, I'm not gonna say when it happens in the no, movie no, or whatever. No, I'm just no. gonna say that they played vanilla fudge. Yep. From 69. Mm-hmm. Was awesome. Yes, Just it was. awesome. It was the perfect song. The the yes, the soundtrack, like I like I mentioned earlier, the sets, the cars, the clothing, everything they've done with that is is just on point. I I was so I loved it. I absolutely love the picture. I cannot recommend it enough. No, I'm the same way. Even now, if, you know, I'm going to warn you, okay? It's a it's a Quentin Tarantino movie. So with that, it's rated R. It's rated R for a reason. Some blood. There's a lot of blood in some places some of couple, it. Couple, couple. And there's a lot of bad language. Right, but it does not have the level of violence of the other No, Tarantino no Reservoir Dogs, man. About. It's not as violent as Pulp Fiction. No. Not as violent as Reservoir Dogs. No. Not as violent as Inglorious Bastards. Or, Jan- or Django. Not as violent as Django Unchained. No, I mean, it was for a Tarantino film. Not much violence, really. I agree with that. There's a couple fist fights in the beginning, but I mean, really, is no. this? A, do you think this is the best script he ever wrote? I mean, yeah, he's done nine motion pictures. I put Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as number one, and I put um, The Hateful Eight at yeah. number nine. Yeah, I did not like that film at all. No, I didn't. I thought it was boring. Um, and I would put I would put Foxy Brown at number eight. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm not a big Foxy Brown fan, but I would go once more time in Hollywood. Number one, number two is either Django Unchained or Inglorious Bastards. Flip them either way you want. Number four is Pulp Fiction. Number five is Reservoir Dogs. I would put. Man, I don't know. I, I guess I'm going to say, yeah, I don't know. Kill Bill next, I guess. And then I guess Death Proof 
and then Jackie Brown and finally Hateful Eight. I just I just did not like Hateful Eight at all. It just it it really disappointed me. I yeah. I didn't finish watching. Did it. not resonate with me. No, at but. All. Once upon a time in Hollywood, absolutely somebody could watch it twice. Absolutely, hands down, you got that right. Absolutely. Now, the reason I talk about Tarantino's writing is there's a couple of movies he did not direct uh, that were directed by uh, who did uh, JFK, uh, Oliver Stone. Yeah. Okay. So you, you've got Natural Born Killers. He wrote the yeah, script for that. Yeah, Scarface. And he wrote the script for True Romance, which I think is one of the most underrated oh, no. movies around. I love around. that film. I mean, the script, I love, the script I love in that romance. movie is, is I love unbelievable. Romance. I love True Romance. Yeah. It's a great movie. Loved it. Yeah. yeah but now I, now I like Scarface from from uh, from Oliver Stone. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah big Scarface fan. Yeah, but anyway. Great. Yeah, but okay, I'm just I'll, saying, just script-wise, Tarantino's written great absolutely, scripts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm going to tell you what's playing in Cersei, in the big city <laughs> sorry, of Cersei. We, just real quick, real that. quick, because we're just we're loving on my Quentin Tarantino today. We're loving on Quentin here. today. CerseiCinema.com. <laughs> CerseiCinema.com. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Presenting luxury leather, electric recliners with tables and reserved seating. Get the VIP seats to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Lion King, also in VIP. Toy Story 4, VIP. Crawl, VIP. Aladdin, VIP. Annabelle Comes Home, VIP. Spider-Man, Far From Home, also in the VIP recliners. And we are still showing Stuber, and we are still showing Lion King. So be sure to check that out, CerseiCinema.com. Our big renovations start in Cersei at the end of August. And by October the 1st, every seat in the building will be a luxury leather electric recliner with a table and reserved seating. Yes. Four screens right now offer luxury leather electric recliners with tables and reserved seating. Be sure to hit CerseiCinema.com to buy your advance tickets. Sign up for the email newsletter. Download the free Theater Group mobile app. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow events. Be sure to sign up for the Movie Rewards Club if you want those $5 tickets on Tuesday. And you want a point for every dollar you spend on tickets and concessions. To redeem for free movie tickets and free food. I got to tell you what, mm-hmm. Matt, yeah. I've been sitting in those reclining seats now for several right. years. I cannot, I cannot ever think that I would ever want to go back to sitting in those normal chairs that we've had to put up with oh, yeah. over the years. Yeah, I mean, you know, right. I mean, if you if you live in the Cabot area, you know, and you drive to North Little Rock to sit on a stump with a two-by-four nailed to it and pay more for the ticket. <laughs> or a you drive to Conway. Two by four. If you drive to Conway to sit on a stump with a two-by-four nailed to it and pay more for the ticket, you're crazy. Yeah, I agree. If you're sitting in Jacksonville and, you know, you go to a movie in North Little Rock instead of Cabot. Why? Somebody needs to talk to you. You got a problem. If you're down in the city of Hot Springs and you drive to Benton to sit on a stump with a two-by-four nailed to it, you know, you're crazy. Luxury leather, electric recliners with tables and reserved seating. HotSpringsVIP.com. Yeah, if you want to know good places to go eat in Cabot, I can give them to you. You just, uh, you know, just text me. That's all you got to do. That's it. You know, text me. You're in BB. I I go for it. Do two things. Fire your mayor. (laughs) And then after you do that, go to Moving Cabot. Yeah. Just Got telling a, you, it's a great place. Yeah, yeah. Well, BB or Cabot? Yeah, um, Cabot. I tell you what, man. Guess what they're trying to do down there in BB? Trying to hang a tax on those people. I know they are trying to hang a tax on them. You know, it's kind of sad. Kinda when sad. they, you know, when you can't 
kind of when you can't govern you know what you do you tax well that's what you do if you you can't govern you tax give you a quote here novelty projects such as water parks splash pads water slides and aquatic centers are of insufficient say that word again insufficient insufficient right scale and importance to draw people to suffice in drawing tourists or having a positive economic impact on a community. Guess what? Neither do bridges. So says the University of Arkansas Faye Jones School of Architecture and Design. So I wonder why these so-called leaders in Searcy, in Pine Bluff, Cabot, in now soon-to-be BB try to hang these projects on people and tell them it's economic development. They're trying to have a special election now in BB to get a tax to build an aquatic center. I want to know the dude that sells these cities on aquatic centers. That dude right there has got to be the best salesman since Bernie Madoff. Aquatic center. Are we talking about a water park, but they call it an aquatic center, or is that an aquarium? We're talking about the city of BB spending twelve point one million on a hole in the ground, okay, filling pool. it with water and sticking a roof over it. Call okay. it what you want. Yeah, an indoor pool, evidently. Right, right. And then they, uh, then they, uh, they tell people that these things will eventually be self sufficient. You know, even if you could, by some miracle, and you never will, sell enough memberships and charge enough on admission to pay the. Electric bill, water bill, cable bill, yeah, phone bill, gas bill, uh, maintenance, salaries of employees, insurance, etc. that goes with operating that, right? You're never going to take in enough to pay the $12 million back to the city or the taxpayers, let alone pay that back at 5.50% interest. You'd be better off taking the $12 million and actually investing it in something or putting it in something that everyone in the town needs, like the fire department, the police department, the streets, the water system, the sewer system. Infrastructure. Or trash pickup. I can get behind those six yeah. things. Police, fire, water, sewer, streets, trash. Those are the six purviews of a city. Yeah. Maybe you have trash pickup and all you do is pick up trash, but you don't pick up lawn clippings. You don't pick up, you know, couches or stuff. Take that $12 million and expand so you can do those things that your citizens would love to have. This makes sense. Get a leaf sucker or something like that. It just makes sense. That's something that people right. would like. Right. I mean, you know, just, and, and I'm all behind that. You know, tax me. Okay, I said it. Write it down. Tax me for streets, sewer, water, trash pickup, police and fire. Tax me for that. Everybody uses that or might possibly need it. There's a fire or a crime. So tax me for that. I'm cool with it. But don't load me down with these goofball novelty crazy things and then tell me that it's economic development and growth nobody's standing around making a decision based on those things why do people move into communities why do communities grow good school system affordable housing good roads security jobs those four things that's why people choose to move to a town that's why a business locates in a town that's what grows a town nobody's driving around saying man i'd love to live over there man at school is Top, not just a five-star school. My God, houses over there are the cheapest in the county. Wow, man, I cannot wait to get there. <gasps> they don't have a public pool. Oh, forget it, Sally. We can't live there. No, we don't need it. <gasps> they don't have a bicycle trail. Forget it, Sally. Can't move to that town. Man, the schools are great, but there's no batting cages. 
Forget that. <laughs> they don't have a $653,000 concession stand at their soccer field. We can't live there. Nobody's doing that. All right. We'll get back. He's getting wound up. Russ, he's getting wound up. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. You know, you got a sixty or 96% chance at what? You have a 96% chance of losing $111,000 when it comes to Social Security benefits. According to a new research done by Bloomberg, 96% of Americans lose $111,000 in Social Security benefits because they take their benefits at the wrong time. Now, mark this down. Next Friday, David Lucas will be with us at at 5 o'clock. We'll be talking about this. Learn how you can avoid this by doing an educational workshop, Maximizing Social Security with David Lucas, right here in Little Rock. There's two workshops in August. Registration's 20 bucks. There's only room for 32 people. So call this number, 501-653-6690. This workshop's going to reveal the little-known strategies that can help you wring every nickel out of your benefits and the ones that are rightfully yours. That's 501-653-6690, 501-653-6690. All right, back for the last segment of the first hour. Matt Smith is here. He is the owner, proprietor, and main body uh, bottle washer for uh, Riverdale 10. And, of course, the uh, great Cabot Theater that I go to all the time, the uh, super-duper Cabot VIP. Then you go up to Searcy, then you go down to Hot Springs. He's got all those theaters there, too. You can't go back, uh, go bad going to one of his theaters. Absolutely fantastic places to see movies. He's done. I, can only t- I can't tell you how much he's done. How many years now have you owned Cabot? Five, six? Uh, we have been there for 15 has it really been 15 yeah, years? Big Joe Kramer has been in there for 15 years. All right, so man, 15 years. In that 15 years, he has totally revamped it. You've added theaters. You've yes. added You've added uh, different kinds of seating. You've upped your your sound system. The The screens have been upgraded. Yes. The carpeting, the, the seats, everything. Yes. I don't think there's one thing you haven't touched. No. We have all new carpet, new floor lights, new drapes, new screen masking, new screen skirts, new screens, luxury leather, electric recliners with tables, reserved seating, private club license, full food menu, all new restrooms, all new floor tile, all new Dolby Digital 7.1 surround sound, everything. Everything in the cinema. And we've expanded from four sad little screens in 2004 to eight screens now. Four and, screens. Yeah, and you know, I can't even remember when it was four screens. Yeah, I mean, it's, and I was there. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's you know, it's stadium seating. I mean, uh, real D three D, and it won't stop uh, if the community can continues to support uh, the cinema. Then the next new technology that comes along, uh, we'll we'll install that. Um, I think that um, you know, currently. Um, what is sweeping the nation is, you know, all the cinemas across the country that, that stay open, they're going to have full food menus. Uh, they're going to serve alcoholic beverages, and they're going to have luxury recliner seating. 
That's happening. That's the wave. You got to do it. That's the wave now in the United States. So if, if you want to survive, if you stay in the cinema business. That's what you're going to do. That's the direction that cinemas are going in. That's what's happening now. Recliners, uh, adult beverages, and alcohol and food. Uh, Ten years ago, it was getting rid of 35 millimeter film and putting in digital light projection. Uh, Ten years before that, it was stadium seating. Uh, and 10 years before that, it was sound upgrades. Uh, sound upgrades was what everybody did in the 80s. Stadium cities, what everybody did in the 90s. In the 2000s, it was the conversion from film to digital light projection. And right now, it is the conversion to luxury seating, alcohol, and food. Uh, I think the next upgrade will be um, technology where you go from the picture being projected on the screen with a xenon bulb, digital light projection, which is what we use now, DLP. I think that lasers. will change to a laser, and lasers will be next, and then you will have the brightest brights, the darkest darks, the same cue, the same f- frame up, the same look to the picture from the first times it's shown to the end. You won't have to change out bulbs. You won't worry about bulbs exploding. You won't worry, worry about the light source fading. You will just, laser will come on. That's how the image will hit the screen. It will look perfect. Uh, you'll have that, and you'll have more high frame rate movies, uh, and that'll be the next thing that sweeps the movie industry. Okay, ex- Once everybody explain, has explained to my listeners mm-hmm. high frame rate and why it's important. Well, it just gives a a uh, movie a more res- realistic look. Um, it, it allows the images to project even faster uh, than they do now. Um, you know, thirty five millimeter film contained. 24 frames a second um 35 millimeter film would come in reels you would put it together uh it would take uh one foot of film to be a second on the screen and so when you had 35 millimeter film which was made out of polyester if you had a bad piece in the movie a movie got scratched or a movie got um broken um burned movie, movie got burned you could cut out a frame and take some splicing tape and splice the film back together. Right. Because it took a foot of film to equal a second on the screen. A foot of film contained 24 frames. Um, and a frame is about the size of putting your two thumbs together for right. reference. Okay. So what they're trying to do now, once they get the light source right, which I think lasers will put us in that direction, will be able to move to a high frame rate. And instead of 24 frames a second, maybe we can double that to 48 frames a second or maybe even more, which is going to increase your depth of field, which is going to increase the realism of the movie. Uh, And it's going to increase what you can do as far as 3D and premium large format screens as that high film rate comes up. It's going to allow more for the eye to capture um, this is never going to stop. If you think those uh, Dollar Tree guys there at Netflix will ever, you know, ever uh, get the technology to keep up with what's at the cinema, you are mistaken. Um, it will never stop. Screens will get bigger. Pictures will get brighter. Movies will get more realistic. Sound will still get better. Yes, it's 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 not going to stop. And so what you're experiencing at the cinema now uh, will be totally different in 10 years. Uh, You know, 10 years ago, no one going to the movies would would have thought that they were going to flop down in a recliner that had a table. You got that right. 
drink some Jack Daniels, mm-hmm. okay, watch a movie projected with a digital light projector. Oh, and they could go on their phone and look at the seat map and touch the screen and buy the seat that they wanted a month ahead of time. And it would be ready for you when you arrived. If you had told someone that in, oh, I don't know, 1999. They would have not believed it. They would have laughed. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody would have believed. You're going to, I'm going to have a recliner with a table. I can go on my phone and I can look at a map of the, of the auditorium and pick out the exact chair that I want. I can buy that chair two months in advance. You're telling me I can get a reserved seat at a movie theater like I can a concert and I can drink Crown and Coke <laughs> and eat a cheeseburger? Or drink a Bud Light. And the film is going to, the screen is going to be silver and it's 50 feet across. Whoa. Nobody would believe that. I agree. All right. Let's get to our five minute news break at the top of the hour. Then Matt and I will come back and we'll tell you what's playing at the theaters again in case you missed it. And we'll probably talk a little bit more about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood opening today, the new Tarantino film. It is a can't miss movie last half hour but matt smith today and i gotta tell you what matt there's there's some pretty good movies still uh oh yeah coming up in 2019 oh, yeah. absolutely absolutely but, you know we're talking about this coming uh friday mm-hmm. opening up thursday night uh, for its opening is going to be the 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 new uh you know fast and furious takeoff uh hobbs and shaw and that's it's just going to do huge box office. It it the trailer looks yes. Fantastic. Hobbs and Shaw is going to be monster strong. There's no doubt about it. Um, and what else do you show on there coming up on the? Let's talk about the ninth. Hobbs and Shaw's the only film opening on August the second. I've got a couple cool independent. August the ninth next. Mm-hmm. Uh, what that's Tuesday. Yeah, August 9th? the ninth is two weeks from today. Okay. Oh, from today. Okay. Two weeks from today. A couple mm-hmm. of days before that is the two weeks second from today. second Tuesday of August, which is the Wizard of Oz. I just wanted to keep yeah. reminding people about that. We put it in that particular August thirteenth. We put it in at that time. Because most schools are either opening that week or are opening the following week. And it's our back-to-school nod for the kids. Absolutely. They'll enjoy going to see that on the big screen. There's a, there's, that's a special movie to see on the big screen. Just uh, three months ago, the last munchkin died. So there's no one that I believe that acted in that movie that now lives. Came out in 1939. There you go. So what did you did you pull up what's coming up on the ninth? I did, did not. You, I, okay. Let me get I it real quick. I'm, I'll get it for you. August oh, the ninth. I've got. Yeah. I'm looking right here. I'm looking at some. The art of racing in the rain. Yes. Yes. PG Fox. 20th Century Fox. Dora and the Lost City of Gold. PG live action Dora film. Kids are going to love it. Be sure to check that out. The Kitchen. Kitchen looks awesome to me. I am a big Elizabeth Moss fan. She is from uh, Mad Men, mm-hmm. and I love Tiffany Haddish. I'm looking forward to The Kitchen. Uh, I think it's going to be better than Widows, uh, much better motion picture. I'm excited about The Kitchen. One that I'm looking forward to, although I saw it was PG-13, and I wonder if that's not going to kind of down, making it for, for the whole family. I understand that. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. That's from Lionsgate. The Peanut Butter Falcon. Have you heard of this? Watch that at home, probably. That's yeah, probably I'm thinking. some on-demand junk. Uh, and a couple other ones on the night. Two more. The Tracker. 
again. And last but not least, nothing after the wedding. Uh, yeah, none. Of, those last three he mentioned will never play at a movie theater. Okay, never heard of them. All right, fourteenth, Adam. Any anything on that one? I don't have anything. In it. No idea what that is. All right, blinded by the light. That'll be good. That's from Warner Brothers. Uh, great film. Uh, that's coming out on. Uh, I think the first shows are Tuesday, August the thirteenth. Really good film. Warner Brothers Pictures. Um, also that day is Angry Birds two. That's what I was just going to tell you. Sony. That's also a good film that week. Absolutely, and be good for the kids. Forty seven meters down, uncaged. That's going to be a great shark movie. The first one was great. Kind of a sleeper indie hit that year. Looking forward to that one. Good boys. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Film. Okay. Where'd you go, Bernadette? Yeah, that looks like a great film, and and that I think will do well at uh, Riverdale Ten, and that looks like a good little movie. Okay, it's got Kate Blanchett in mm-hmm. it, yeah. and Kristen Wiig. Yes, oh, be, yes. Well, here's the director, Richard Linklater. Oh yeah, yeah, great okay. little comedy, really, 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 really good film. Um, yeah, that'll be good that week. That that's still going to be a good week for movies. All right, August twenty first. Ready or not. Nothing from... Nothing else, uh, no, but I'm, I'm not with you there. Back on August 23rd, Freaks. Okay, yeah. Jacob's Ladder. Rated uh, R. Over, I think Overcomer is that week. That is a good faith-based Christian motion picture, 23rd. Okay. Overcomer. And on the 23rd, one that I will absolutely go see, Angel Has Fallen. Now, to me, that is the of the trilogy number three of the trilogies yeah. that he's got going. Um, to me, that looks to be the best one of yeah. the three. Gerald Butler back playing Agent Mike Banning, protecting the president, who this time is Morgan Friedman, while he's on vacation. I'm kind of excited about that one. Actually, yeah. I think it looks pretty strong. I. Me, I like the supporting first, cast is really good. I like good. the first two, but yeah. that one looks better to yeah, me. Now the first two were Olympus has fallen, right? And the second one was London has fallen, and this time it is Angel has fallen. Now the, yes. the supporting cast. Let me just tell you the supporting cast: Piper Parabu, who hasn't been in a whole lot because she's got a bad reputation showing up. Being a cokehead, but evidently got her mind Who? clear. Who? I, you remember her, Coyote, the Coyote movie, when she was dancing on the bar and everything. That was Pipe, a big Piper Parabu. She did a lot of independent stuff and a yeah. lot of little, a lot of little, um, um, a lot of little independent movies and a lot of, a lot of. Uh, she's done some TV on like. Uh, yeah, she was the CIA agent, I guess. On like USA Network, was or something. running all over the world. Okay, what was the name USA. of that movie? What was that movie? Uh, I mean, that TV show was on USA Network, so. I don't know. Jada Pinkett Smith is in this movie, as well as Lance Reddick. Okay. Everybody know who Lance Reddick is? Everybody should know so, who Lance So Piper's off the blow now. She's back at work. Yeah, evidently. She put on weight? Lance, no. Okay. Lance, by Piper the way. Piper didn't put on weight. Okay. Lance Reddick, he's the guy at the counter in all the John Wick movies at the hotel. Nice. Okay, so he's in this. Nick Nolte, back on the big screen. He's the manager at the hotel, I guess. Yeah. And then the last two people I want to give you, Danny Houston, who plays probably the bad guy. He's one of the best heavies in moviedom, I think, Danny Houston is. And then Tim Blake Nelson, 
who is usually pretty good. Danny as Houston's well. in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Is he in it? Yeah, I did. I missed yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, he's in there. Um, I, I, I like the Nick Nolte role in the Angel. I, I like the Angels following his role in that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I'm not. Like I said, I was not really into the first two of okay. the series. I liked them both. They were okay to me. Nothing exceptional. But this looks strong. The third trailer, trailer C off that looks good. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what has changed to add to the appeal, right? But right. Um, I guess, what, what do we have? We had uh, Olympus Has Fallen. Right. And I guess, Lund- was it London Has Fallen, I think? Yeah. 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 And then London Has Fallen. Yeah, I, I don't see, know. a lot of people didn't like London Has Fallen because it was know. so bloody. But yeah, I loved it. I don't know. <laughs> plus, plus, it made Arabs bad guys. Don't do that. Got to be know. politically correct. I, the, the, I don't know. The first two to me, okay. This one looks better. I mean, it, it almost strikes me. I haven't seen it yet, but John Wick 3 was the best John Wick, right? So I mean, far. Hands down, right? Four is coming. John Wick 3 was just Yeah, it was awesome. Hook. It was so good. To me, this Gerald Butler film looks like the best of the three. Well, I like Gerald Butler. I do, too, but I, those first two were just okay to me. Nothing yeah. great, but this one looks awesome. Gerald so. Butler is just a good action hero. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah. like I mean, him because not, he does good action movies. He's not Keanu, but yeah. I like 300 him. up. Yeah, I like him. <laughs> 300 was a great movie. Yeah, was that was great. really, that was, yeah, that was probably one of his best oh, of course. ever. Maybe. I mean, how how often do you get to play? You know, play the Battle of Theopolis. Yeah, Come that was on. really good. Yeah, I'll, I'll hand him that one. September six will be a huge day at the theater. Yes, it chapter two. Buy those tickets when they go on sale. It's coming. Don't stumble in on Friday at six forty-five and think you're watching the seven o'clock show of it unless you have a ticket in hand, my brother. All right, there are three movies coming out on September twentieth, all mm-hmm. which will do. Good business. Mm-hmm. A special group of people will go see Downtown Abbey, the movie. Downtown Abbey. Okay. That's going to be awesome. It's going to rock out at Riverdale 10. Going to do a lot of business. People are coming. Then there's going to be people like me. That is an incredibly <laughs> popular TV show. Yes, it is. The most popular show in the history of PBS television, AETN, Masterpiece Theater, that movie is going to jump in there and do some box office, and it's going to have legs. It's going to play for a long time. You watch. That's going to be a seller. I don't even think you could classify that as a sleeper hit. Okay. It's going to be a hit, period. I'll tell you what's going to be a hit. The movie it goes up against that weekend. Rambo, oh. Last Blood. That is great. Couples can go to the movies. She can watch Downton Abbey. He can go see Rambo. Yeah. Perfect. They can go to the movies together and go watch the movie and then, you know, meet up in the lobby afterwards. Perfect match. And, and you know me, I'm a big sci-fi buff as well. So I'll go see Rambo Saturday and then Sunday, Ad Astra, a science fiction movie coming out. Brad Pitt, Liv Taylor, Donald Sutherland, Tommy Lee Jones. Going to be a good movie. It's going to be a good weekend right there in September. It is. That'll it's going to be a very September good weekend. We'll tell you some more that's coming up when we come back. Matt Smith is here. He is a uh, how to a film autant. How's that? <laughs> we'll put it that way. The Dave Ellswick Show. More coming away in just a moment. All right. 
right, uh, we'll be back here with Matt in just a moment. He'll be back. I wanted to ask him just a couple of movies that are coming up, and I'm wondering if they will do as well as some people think they are going to do. Um, he's going to be here, and here he is. He's coming back right now. I got a couple of movies that are coming up that in the time when they were first released, they did big business. They're coming back now with with reboots on a couple and some other stuff, and I want to know what you think. Go ahead. Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Okay. Think it's going to be a success, Uh, or are people outgrowing them? uh, I don't know. Mm. Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. That's Disney. Well, I understand. It's going to be huge. All right. Angelina Jolie. That's that's going to to rock out in October. Don't roll into the theater at 645 that Friday night and think you're watching a 7 o'clock show. Melissa, unless you bought your ticket in advance and you have it in hand. All right. Don't do that. That movie's going to rock out. It's Angelina Jolie. It's Disney. It's going to rule in October. Saddle up. Put your shoes on. Get ready. Here's one. That I don't know if it can live up to its expectations. Jay and Silent Bob, though? Eh. Okay. Eh. October 18th. It's eh. the same time Elizabeth comes out. Same time that uh, Jay and Silent Bob basically comes eh. out. Here it is. Will it live up to its its hype? Zombie Land Double Tap. Yeah, it's going to be huge. It'll be a huge movie. It's okay. going to be huge, yeah. So if Maleficent... Um and Zombie Land two and Jay and Silent Bob go the same weekend. No, Silent Bob comes in third easy. They don't even need to release Silent Bob. They just need to forget about that and not even just don't even don't call me looking for a screen. I have no time to worry with your stupidity. <laughs> okay, okay. Because people are blowing in to see Maleficent and Zombie Land two. Zombie Land two is gonna be huge, man. It's gonna be huge. It's gonna be huge. Okay, huge. huge. Coming up on November first. After what happened at Comic Con, yeah, I think what happened at Comic Con because I don't know. I have a life. I okay, have no well, idea. I have. I don't have a life when Comic Con is going on. Okay. Uh, Terminator like, Dark Fate. Comes it's out like November first. Uh, it's like the uh, you know the uh, what is that you know that stupid stuff people do in March. Oh God, what is that? You know, I'm drawing a blank. Get here. ready to pay our taxes. No, in March, you know, it's <laughs> ignorant. They have the office pulls. People have surgeries. Oh, you're talking about March Madness. Yeah. Okay. Never had it. Never will. It's like smoking a cigarette. Have never done that. Not gonna do it. Don't understand the stupidity behind March Madness. But that Terminator movie, when Arnold's back with Linda, and Hamilton's back. Furlong has come back. For it. Cameron okay. is back. The guy who's directing it is the guy who directed Deadpool. Katie bar the door. Katie bar the door. It's going to be big. Katie, Katie bar the door. They are coming. Oh man, they are coming. That thing is going to be massive. That thing is going to do box office. That thing is going to sell so many advanced tickets. That thing is going to be a monster. You better get ready. All right, here's another movie. Little known movie, but I think it's going to be a great monster motion picture. Terminator Monster Strong. Christian Bale, Matt Damon, Ford versus Ferrari. I know that looks good. And I, I think, think it's going to be great. It's a great I, story. I really think that that will be one of those award type films. I no, I, I, I think it's not going to be a small film. I think that's going to be a good film. I think it's going to be a respectable box office, and I think it could get some award nominations. Who's directing that? Uh, hold 
on. Let me look here. Because originally it was Ron Howard. Has it changed? The director is James Mangold. Okay. All right. Because I, I know Mangold I thought when they were. The movie, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Logan. Okay. Walk the Line. Okay. The movie Heavy. Man, Walk the Line was great. The Wolverine. Yeah. And the sweetest thing. Okay. Well, but I know Logan when they were, was great too. When they were trying to develop that film, I think when it was coming out of, I don't know, somebody had optioned the rights or something. I think that Ron Howard was maybe ta- they were thinking Ron Howard was going to direct that. But the Ford Ferrari thing is it looks extremely intriguing to me, and I think it's, it's a great story. It's a real story. It's a great. It's a uh, car movies typically don't do real big box office, but. I think this story resonates oh, I think with the box, people. Yeah, I think the box office will be okay there, but I think there'll be some award consideration. And for it's the Christian film. Bale. It looks good. It looks strong. The one that I look at and I go, eh, as far as the reboot goes, Charlie's Angels. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. I'm over Charlie's Angels. Yeah, I don't. Who's in it this time out? Is you it got the Elizabeth same? Banks. Oh, okay. Naomi Scott. Mm. Christian Stewart, mm. Patrick Stewart. Mm. All right, I mean it's it's got an all right. Maybe he plays Charlie. Yeah, it's got an all right, you know, cast and stuff. I just don't know. You know, we're past that where people that are younger have no the, idea who the, the Charlie's the, Angels the, the was. Big girl, the, is she coming back? The chubby girl? The no. What was her name? I know, know who she, you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, she. She's not in she's it. She's like a coke head, and then she got off the coke and blew up real big. Yeah, um, she's not. Uh, not Piper, the other one. Um, I can't remember now. No, no, Rebel was cool. Rebel was always cool. Um, you know, the girl from E.T., man, I'm drawing a blank. What is wrong with me? Oh, you know? oh, 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 uh, Barrymore. Yes, okay, sorry. She was in the the reboot of Charlie's Angels, yeah. you know, 10 years ago or something. I can't remember. Yeah, you she know. was there with uh, yeah, yeah, Lee yeah, yeah, and yeah, all yeah. the rest Yeah, of. but that was kind of just, I don't know, all right. It was nothing to write home about. I Okay, but she's not in this one? No. I'll give it a chance if she's not no, in it. she's not in she, it. Okay, all right, because she just kind of, yeah. Okay, whatever. real quickly. Okay. Over Thanksgiving, Frozen yeah. 2 going to be huge. You better buy your tickets today, okay? <laughs> I'm just telling you right now. I mean, I'll probably have that thing on six screens or something. It's going to be insane. December 13th, I mean, Jumanji, the next level. I mean, massive. You better just come on out, baby. Cats, December 20th. Yeah. I was excited until I saw the trailer, yeah. and now I'm not. Yeah. December 20th. Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. Did you say some idiots were releasing a movie the same day? As yeah, that? in fact, uh, several people, and then Little Women on Christmas Day. Well, that's fine, but the same day as Star Wars. If you're releasing a movie the same day as Star Wars, they need to take you out back and hit you in the head with a claw hammer. You are <laughs> seriously, you are just too dumb to live. Say how I you mean, feel, seriously, man. Really, I mean, just claw hammer, boom, right in the top of the skull. All right, we got I mean, a minute. Texas left, Chainsaw man. Massacre style. Really? There you go. Okay, are you ready? We got one minute. We got one minute. Hit so, us at Riverdale 10. Riverdale10.com. See, see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You can also catch us in Hot Springs. And see what? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> Hot Springs VIP.com. Cabot VIP Cinema.com. Cersei Cinema.com. And Riverdale10.com. All Once Upon a Time. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is playing at all four. We're also playing Lion King at all four. Spider Man Far From Home. Toy Story 4, Aladdin, and Crawl. You can catch those movies at all four locations. HotspringsVIP.com, CerseiCinema.com, Riverdale10.com, 
and CabotVIPCinema.com. Also playing at Riverdale Quick. yesterday, Wild Rose, The Art of Self-Defense, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. News is now. I tell you, I got to get my glasses. I still changed. got a minute. You got another minute. Okay, so once upon a time in Hollywood, got to see it. Lion King, Spider Man, Toy Story Four, Crawl, and Aladdin playing at all four locations: CerseiCinema.com, Riverdale10.com, HotSpringsVIP.com, and CabotVIPCinema.com. Make sure you catch all of those. Then at Riverdale, we have exclusively Wild Rose, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. And the art of self-defense. Riverdale10.com. Advanced tickets always on, already on sale at all four locations for Hobbs and Shaw, which is Thursday night. Fast and Furious presents. I will be seeing it. Wizard of Oz, Tuesday, August 13th, 7 o'clock Don't at Riverdale that. 10 Get with Dave Ellswick. It will sell out. Get your tickets now. Wizard of Oz is our perfect August movie classic for a movie. family. Definitely. Absolutely. Perfect Have a good movie. weekend. All right. Enjoy Matt. your Friday. We are done. Here's the news. All right. President's speaking right now. Can we get it? Can we bring up some audio? If that would be possible. They'll be returned to Guatemala. And that's a claim to stay in Guatemala. It's a, it's a claim for protection under international law for asylum. To, the president. Which we've never had before. And which is something that's so good. It's good for everybody, but it's so good. Are tariffs off the table now, sir? Talking about well, we have a great agreement with Mexico, but we're going to probably uh, do some additional work on it because we can't get anything from the Democrats. Uh, dealing with Mexico is... Uh, Really, what Mexico is doing for us at the border is far greater than what the Democrats have done. You know, the amazing thing about the Democrats, it was all fine. Everything was great four or five years ago before I was president. And now they think we're going to win, so they're doing everything they can with the impeachment nonsense. We had no obstruction. You had no collusion. You know, obstruction's sort of interesting. Uh, They've interviewed 500 people. They've interviewed... Lawyers, they've interviewed everybody that they wanted to interview. People that had, I could have kept back by using presidential privilege. I could have kept back everybody. They didn't have to interview anybody. I gave them total, and then they say obstruction. These people are clowns. The Democrats are clowns. They're being laughed at all over the world. And I watched this morning, I watched Nancy Pelosi trying to get through that with the performance that Robert Mueller put on, where I don't think he ever read the agreement or the document. And the document said no collusion. They don't even talk about that. So there was no crime. They said, well, there was no crime, but he obstructed. How do you obstruct? There's no crime. But actually, it was worse than that because it was a phony crime that they put on. The crime was what they put on. But I watched uh, Mueller for two and a half years. We've watched this. And that's the best they have. And it's a disgrace. And the world is laughing at him. And unfortunately, it's so bad for our country. It's bad in our relationships with other countries, including Russia. There's no reason we shouldn't get along with Russia. There's no reason we shouldn't get along with other countries. And one of the things that's nice about Guatemala is we've never had a better relationship. Right now, they've agreed to do something that's very good for the United States. And we're going to work with them also. We're going to be it's going to be a partnership. And it's happening with Mexico, too. We never had any kind of cooperation with Mexico ever until this president, frankly, and and my presidency, where you have 
maybe 21,000, could be 26,000 soldiers. And it's so good for Mexico because they're killing, they're getting rid of the cartels, which everybody knows they've been running big portions of Mexico and, and the coyotes and all of these terrible people. Mexico's done a great job for their people. The president has done a great job for his people. And President Morales has done a great job by doing this, because now he has a friend in the United States instead of an enemy of the United States. Well, yes, John. Are you going to slap tariffs on French war? I might. I might. So France put on a, uh, a tax on our companies. You know that. And wrong, wrong thing to do. They should not have done it. So I may do that. I may. I've always liked American wines better than French wines, even though I don't drink wine. I just like the way they look. Okay. But the American wines are great. American wines are great. And uh, they didn't do the right thing when they start taxing our companies. We tax our companies. They don't tax our companies. So France did that. I told him, I said, don't do it, because if you do it, I'm going to tax your wine, ring, tariff, or tax, quarter, whatever you want. So, yeah, we're working on that right now. You were critical of Macron's decision to do this. How is that relationship between you and Good. I just spoke to him. No, I just spoke to him. I have a good relationship with President Macron. Uh, But they shouldn't have done this. They used to take advantage of the United States, but not with me as president. Look. I look at deals that were done with other presidents of this country, and it's a disgrace that our country's allowed this to happen. Where China, for years and years and years, was making from $300 billion to $507 billion a year. Okay? Now we're taking in billions of dollars from China, and it's all turning around. Whether a deal is made, you know, they're going next week, they have more meetings, meeting after meeting. I don't think, personally, China would sign a deal. If I had a 2% chance of losing the election, I think China would probably say, let's wait. Let's wait. Maybe Trump will lose and we can deal with another dope or another stiff, like the people that allowed these deals to happen, this, this horrible thing to happen to our country. Because what's happened to our country, the money that China has taken out of the United States has rebuilt China. And I don't blame China. I blame the United States for allowing that to happen. So if I'm President Xi, or if I'm frankly Iran, and Iran wants to make a deal, I can tell you that right now. But if I'm Iran, I'll probably say, man, if I can hold out, I'm going to wait for a sleepy Joe Biden instead of Trump. Because Sleepy Joe, we can make any deal we want with him. He doesn't know what's happening. So what else? We'll be announcing it sometime fairly soon. Uh, We'll see what happens. But uh, they put a tax on. We said, don't do it. We tax our companies. You don't tax our companies. And we'll be announcing something. It might be a wine. It might be on something else. But it's called reciprocal. It's a reciprocal tax. And we'll be announcing that uh, fairly soon, John. Makes sense, John. Do you agree with that? You're a man. Uh, you're a man that enjoys wine. You just won't enjoy French wine anymore. Go ahead, Steve. I agree that American wines are very. They are great. I agree. They will be going. No, I've never. Look, look, look. I think that China will probably say. Let's wait. It's 14, 15 months till the election. Let's see if one of these people that give the United States away, let's see if one of them could possibly get elected. 
And I'll tell you what, when I win, like almost immediately, they're all going to sign deals and they're going to be phenomenal deals for the country. But uh, so I don't know that they're going to I don't I don't know if they're going to make a deal. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. I don't care because we're taking in tens of billions of dollars worth of tariffs. And the farmers are happy because I gave them $16 billion out of the tariffs and had tremendous, you know, much more than that left over, as you know. Tremendous amount of money left over, uh, like by three times. And we haven't even taxed China yet compared to what I could do. So we have tens of billions of dollars rolling in from China. We never had 10 cents coming in. And again, I don't blame President Xi. I blame our past leaders for allowing it to happen for so many years with the World Trade Organization. China was totally flatlined. And when the World Trade Organization came about and China joined the World Trade, they became a rocket ship. Because, you know, it's a very unfair situation that took place at the World Trade Organization, as are many of them. So, uh, so they're going to go. We'll talk. We'll see. I don't personally care that much because we're getting billions and billions. Remember this. The people aren't paying for it. Everyone says people pay for it. China's devalued their currency, and they're putting money in. They're pumping money into their society, into their country, like you wouldn't believe. You call it quantitative easing. With us, we have a Fed that does quantitative tightening and they raise interest rates. So we have a normalized rate. President Obama had no rates and he had no tightening. And we still have a much better economy than in his wildest dreams. So, uh, and there is something okay about that, but we, look, the Fed acted too soon. I turned out to be right. They acted too soon and too violently. We've had nine increases. I believe you'll check that, but I believe it's nine increases, a couple of under, a couple under her, and a lot under Powell. I'm not a fan. Okay, what else? Uh, the dollar or the U.S. dollar? Are you too high, too low? Well, the dollar is very strong. Uh, the country is very strong. The dollar is a, uh, it's a beautiful thing in one way, but it makes it harder to compete. And despite that, but we have a very powerful dollar, so that's the good news. Uh, despite that, we're doing really well. Uh, the country's doing well. Uh, it's really become more than ever before the currency of choice. You know, you have the euro that tried to cut in. Well, the euro is now not doing so well. Europe is not doing so well. China is not doing very well. You look at other countries, we're the hottest economic country in the world. There's nobody close. Even Guatemala wants to do business with us now, so we're happy. Yes, sir. Right? Thank you. Sir. Have you ruled out any measures? On the valuation, why did you not consider a proposal that was floated on Tuesday? I could do that in two seconds if I want. I mean, why did you not want to entertain it? Well, I didn't say I'm not going to do something, but I'm, you know, look, having a strong dollar. There's a reason that it sounds so good. And having a strong dollar is having a strong dollar. We have an amazing country. We have a very strong country. That's why our country has a strong currency. Other countries have a currency that's down the tubes. It's a currency that's weak. China's currency is very low. You look at other countries. Look at the euro. The euro is so low. I mean, Germany's paying almost no interest. We're paying 2.1%. We're paying a lot of interest. That's 
because we have a strong currency. It's a very complicated formula for some people. It's not complicated for me. The Federal Reserve raised the rates too fast and too soon, and they shouldn't have done quantitative tightening, which they did. If they didn't do that, we would be at 4.5 percent instead of 2.1. Everybody's so thrilled with 2.1. We could have had it much more except for the Federal Reserve. And we could have been five to 10,000 points higher in the Dow. Now, I don't want to sound too upset about it because we just broke the all-time record in the history of our country of the Dow. But we could have been higher, right? Could have been a contender. Could have been higher, as Marlon would say. Marlon Brando, the great Marlon Brando. Yes, Steve. Well, you said it. They're short-range missiles, and my relationship is very good with Chairman Kim, and we'll see what happens. But they are short-range missiles, and many people have those missiles. Nope, not at all. Well, he didn't say he didn't say a warning to the United States. I can tell you that he didn't say a warning to the United States. Uh, but uh, they have their disputes. The two of them have their disputes. They've had them for a long time. But he didn't say that. But they are short range missiles and very standard missiles. Mr. President, have you spoken with Boris? Yes. Very good question. It's the best question you've ever asked. I asked him the other day. Well, you know why your timing is good? Because I spoke to him about how long have you been here? 16 minutes. I've spoke to him 17 minutes ago. I hung up the phone as you're coming in. And uh, he's a good guy. He's a friend of mine. I think we're going to have a great relationship. And Boris is going to be a great prime minister. I predict he will be a great prime minister. He has what it takes. They needed him for a long time. UK needed him for a long time. All right. President and, uh, uh, having off the cuff answer, question answer segment. And uh, just there talking about the new UK prime minister and how much he likes uh, him and uh, had just gotten off the phone with him. All right, we'll be back with more of the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about P.I. Roofing and Home Solutions. P.I. Roofing is there to take care of your roof. I'm going to have them come over and walk my roof uh, either this coming week or the week after. Make sure that everything is uh, is good. I had my roof fixed by them about nine years ago. It's time to have them look at it some more just to make sure everything is upholding the way it's supposed to. Uh, I have no problems inside the house, so I don't need to have them come in and fix a roof or anything like that for me. And my gutters are clean. No problem there. Don't forget about the new gutter that PI Roofing is installing. Looks like crown molding. Find out more about all of what I just talked to you about at piroofing.com. All right, I got to get over to Eric and see him because uh, he's going to make a piece for me of a uh, of a crucifix with a crown on the top of it uh, that uh, I I want made, uh, but I want it made out of a couple of nails. Uh, so he's going to do that. I got to go see him so we can get that planned and and get it made. It's going to have it done in silver. Uh, don't forget about Sunny's Auto Salvage, number one choice for recycled auto parts. Their number nine eight two seven four five one. Use an engine, you know, if, if your engine goes out, you got to do a, you know, major repair. Don't go out buying a, a rebuilt engine. It's going to cost you, you know, like four, five, six thousand dollars $6,000. Turn your attention over to R.D. Hopper and his uh, professionals at Sunny's Auto Salvage. Get yourself a well-maintained, total lost, in, uh, you know, vehicle engine. 
an engine that probably had no problems with it at all before the accident that the car had with the driver and it uh, totaled the car and uh, rd has got the engine now ready to be put in your car it's been checked out it's been run it's ready to go and it'll cost you a fraction of the money that's going to cost you to get a rebuilt or worse yet you let somebody talk you into buying a brand new car and it ends up costing you uh you know five to seven years of uh four hundred dollar a month plus payments that you got to make be smart Go with Sunny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. Every part guaranteed comes with a standard warranty, one, two, and three-year warranties on all parts. Their number, 982-7451. That's 982-7451. Hey, coming up tomorrow here on uh, uh, The Answer, a brand-new show on Saturdays at noon. The Kim Hammer Show. Tomorrow, he's got uh, State Senator Jason Rapert on with him. Uh, They're going to be talking about abortion, uh, One Nation Under God, uh, the Ten Commandment Monument, and other uh, conservative issues. Uh, Since uh, Jason knows so much about uh, the levees, I hope that they get into that as well, because that's really, really important, as we found out over this last flooding season here along uh, the Arkansas River. Uh, I, I can't play either one of the pieces that I got because they're four and five minutes long. We'll get into them in the next two hours. Uh, one, uh, dealing with uh, Rachel Bovard is on, uh, a big-time conservative activist, uh, keeps her eye on what's going on with the elections and stuff. She's going to talk about uh, 2020 what we can see happen the rest of this year and the next. And then uh, Christina Holcomb is going to talk about uh, what's going on in the state of Connecticut. They've got a real battle going there about Title IX. And uh, as a lot of people know, Title IX was originally uh, put together so that women had uh, equal access to playing sports. It's gone beyond that now to where they're using this, and uh, the, the, the Democrats have got their equity uh, law they want to make, be made into law, their act they want to make it into a law hasn't been done. I hope it isn't. But it would make every school system in America except transgender students to be able to partake in sports in the gender they identify with. In other words, if a boy identifies as a girl, he'd be on a girl's track team or, or whatever. So just keep that all in mind. We're going to talk about it uh, in, the, in the next couple hours. We're going to talk about immigration in the next couple, a couple hours in a way that probably you haven't heard talked about before. Robert Steinbach's going to come in and uh, join me, and we're going to, uh, to talk about some different things here on the Dave Ellswick Show. A lot of people are afraid to talk about some of the things we'll talk about today because, you know, the left wants to always label you a racist, a xenophobe, or whatever uh, because you say things. Here, let me just give you a little taste of what we're going to get into. Why have so many third-world countries stayed third-world countries? We're going to talk about that. 
I mean, uh, look, you get over into Africa and some of the other, uh, you know, nations, uh, continents, nations that are in those continents, and uh, they do not move up in the way they govern. They don't move up in the way that they, they uh, uh, business is done and things of that nature. Why is that something that we need to talk about? And if they're not doing that, do we want the people that are trying to immigrate from those types of countries to come to the United States because they will not be able to assimilate? That's all things that we, we need to talk about when we're talking about immigration. It's, it's, it's more than a one-trick pony, folks. There's a lot of things going on. The Guatemala uh, thing going on now uh, is good. Uh, that's good. The president signed a deal with Guatemala today about they can keep people down in their country instead of them coming to the United States. Let them find asylum in their host countries and not trying to find asylum up here. We cannot be savior of the entire world. That is not possible. Not possible at all. All right. We got five minutes of news coming up. We're going to get that. And then we'll come back and Robert and I will have a long discussion about a lot of things. We'll talk about 2020. We'll talk about Title IX. We'll talk about immigration. All that's coming your way for the final two hours of a Friday edition of the Dave Ellswick Show. Saturday, don't forget about Kim Hammer. He'll be on at noon in the Kim Hammer Show. State Senator Jason Rapert will be his guest talking abortion, One Nation Under God, the Ten Commandments, and other conservative issues and topics back in a few moments all right let's get on it on four o'clock some of you are on your way home good for you you've made your through your week you're on your weekend now congratulations on that the rest of the listeners probably hate you but that's okay you'll probably never know who they are (laughs) rest of us at least another hour after this and then we'll start our weekends others uh myself included have to work a little bit on saturday and then we can get on with the weekend i'm looking forward to this weekend it's looking really really nice uh for the weekend they're saying uh tomorrow and and sunday are looking uh superb we're looking at uh pool time tomorrow yeah definitely mostly sunny tomorrow 90 degrees gonna feel like it's 98 UV index will be high, so I'm looking forward to that. Sunday, uh, 90 again. The real field temperature, 98 UV index high. And uh, the first chance of really any kind of measurable precipitation now is uh, going to be on Monday. Uh, They're calling for cloudy and a thunderstorm on Monday, and the chances of rain are 60% during the day on Monday and then 55% in the evening. Then we've moved down. Uh, we got chances of rain for the rest of uh, the week. Other than that, it's going to be a pretty decent time. It's been a great week. I mean, the weather is broke as far as the real hot temperatures. That's, I mean, we're going to move back into that. It's going to get hot again. Uh, you know, we're, I'm looking at this. It's by next Saturday, we're going to be moving into the middle 90s again. Humidity is going to rise again, and we're going to see, you know, like 91, and it's going to feel like 105 and things of that nature. But, you know, we're not going to – let's not worry about a week from Sunday. Let's worry about this Sunday. It's going to be great. 
going to be perfect. I'm going to get out and splash around in the pool and catch some rays and going to make sure my I got to make sure my grill's working. I had I have not even grilled this year and for me that is like bizarre. Okay, it really is. All right, let's talk a little politics here for the last couple hours. Usually do a fun Friday. Today we got politics on our mind. We can talk about that. Uh next Friday uh, we'll probably get some people in here that want to talk about things other than politics. Week after, I think the Geek Squad's going to be coming back in. So we got we got them coming up in the near future. Rachel Bovard appeared on Fox and Friends talking about 2020. She has been a mainstay uh, as far as uh, conservative politics go for over a decade she knows what she's talking about. Let's see what she thinks about conservatism in 2020. Meanwhile, some 2020 Democrats have very expensive tastes. The campaign filings of a few presidential candidates are raising eyebrows following the latest round of FEC spending disclosures. Join us right now to disclose some of them, a few of the most bizarre expenditures. Uh, Conservative Partnership Institute Policy Director Rachel Bovard joins us from our nation's capital. Rachel, good morning to you. Good morning. Okay, so th- these are some crazy numbers. Where do they come from? Well, they come from FEC filings. Uh, people comb through these reports to find exactly examples like this, uh, crazy spending on all kinds of things. Okay, so let's start with the front runner right now, according to the polls on the Democratic side. Joe Biden says paella, he paid $12,000. That's a lot to shell out, isn't it? That is a ton. And for Joe Biden, paella may be the new arugula. If you remember Obama (laughs) complaining about the price of arugula in 2007, well, Joe Biden's got a lot of paella on his hands, and he may be asking, uh, per Seinfeld, what am I going to do with all this paella? (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) Meanwhile, Bernie Sanders, you know, a man of the people, uh, it turns out he's a millionaire, um, campaign swag, $751,000 worth of what? Yeah, all kinds of campaign swag, hats, T-shirts, buttons, stickers. Uh, Obviously, he should have been spending this money paying his staff, who have now (laughs) unionized against him. Uh, But more than that, I went on his campaign website. We still have to pay for this swag, and it's like, Bernie, free health care, free college. Where's our free swag? Stop holding out on us. No kidding. All right, uh, John Delaney, he's back in the single digits uh, when it comes to the polls. But when it comes to buying a cake, John Delaney (laughs) spent 700 bucks. Yeah, I'm not sure how this is going to help John Delaney unless he's jumping out of the cake. I'm not sure it's really going to help his poll numbers. Uh, So good luck to him. All right. Uh, And finally, the final one we're going to talk a little bit about is uh, Mariana uh, uh, Williamson. She made a movie, a self-help movie service, $2,000. What was that about? Well, whenever the question is about Marianne Williamson, my answer is just yes. Uh, She is on a journey of national discovery uh, in front of the country, and I am here for it. So good luck, girl. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Um, Some of the other expenditures, Joe Biden spent, uh, according to this uh, Politico article, over $100,000 on a launch ad that they never used. Why would he waste that much money? Yeah, well, you know, when you're the front runner and you're rolling in cash, I guess you can just pick which $100,000 video you want to run. Uh, but, yeah, uh, not not necessarily fiscally responsible. I think his donors might have something to say about that. Yeah. When you look at uh, at these numbers, what comes to mind for you? 
Well, what's interesting is that you see a lot of these candidates uh, just railing against these big companies right. on the campaign trail, but then using their services. Bernie Sanders is a great example. Uh, he rails against Amazon constantly. So does Elizabeth Warren. But those two campaigns have the highest number of spe- dollar amount of spending on Amazon. Um, so same thing about Facebook. They want to break up those companies, but then spend millions of dollars on Facebook ads. Sure. Uh, I see uh, Joe Biden spent about a quarter of a million dollars on private jet travel. Pete Buttigieg, yeah. uh, $300,000 on private jet travel. Uh, of course, it's different when you're the president of the United States because you a- have the assets of uh, Air Force One at your uh, disposal as well. But what, how, does, how do these campaign expenses compare to the Trump campaign expenses? Well, I think I would point out that a lot of these candidates uh, who, who rail on us about climate change, say right. don't drive those big SUVs, don't don't you know reduce your jet travel, are then jetting around the country in private planes and SUVs. So I will say at least the Trump campaign was was clear uh, they weren't hypocrites on this issue. Well, and I see Cory Booker spent uh, $500 to fix a car, so at least he's not uh, <laughs> flying around the country. Yeah, let's hope that wasn't a poor staffer that got fired for wrecking the candidate's car. <laughs> Is that what happened? I don't know, but oh, I wouldn't want to be that staffer if it was. No kidding. All right. Uh, Rachel Bovard, Policy Director, Conservative Partnership Institute. Thank you very much for giving us some facts behind the numbers. Well, my pleasure. I guess if you're running for office, you can spend uh, your donors' money just about any way you want to. $100,000. I mean, the way you control your spending as a candidate should show us pretty much what they want to do as a uh, in the case of Bernie Sanders, it's my money. That's <laughs> the truth. Anyway, yeah, you think a little bit about think a little bit about what they said about uh, Biden, though. A launch commercial. Now, a launch commercial, just for everybody who may not know, is a commercial you put together, a couple minutes long, a few minutes, you know, maybe a maximum five minutes, introducing yourself to uh, the voters. He spent $100,000 on one of those, and then they did not use it. Now, if I were a Bernie, and not a Bernie, but a Joe Biden donator uh, and, and you know sent money to him, I'd be irritated hearing that. It's not a, a really great job of showing, uh, you know, being a person who watches over your money i'm just just saying and then the guy with the 700 dollars somebody i want 700 yeah 700 dollar cake and and all the rest i mean i there's a lot of pomp and circumstance that i just think in the wonderful world of uh, washington dc is just bs total you know waste of taxpayers money and things of that nature and anymore if if you use anything but taxpayers' money, you get attacked. If if companies want to pay for it all, uh, then everybody wants to give you crap because you're taking money from companies who uh, are helping you pay for you know your dances and things of that nature. God knows you. We don't want to do that. And if you don't want to do that, then you want to beat them up because well they spent. Five hundred thousand uh, dollars for you know a ball or something, and they use taxpayers' money. Well, if you're gonna if you're gonna say you can't go out and sell ads on it, basically, and you can't go out and use taxpayer money, how are they supposed to do it? Take it out of their own pocket, I guess. Well, if they take it out of their own pocket, they're still using your money because you're paying them 
uh, it's your money that's going for them. So with that all in mind, uh, just keep this kind of stuff in, in mind. Uh, these are people, and I, I liked what they said at the very end of how Elizabeth Warren and um, you know Sanders, both who rail constantly against uh, Facebook and Amazon and all stuff, they're buying their stuff from Amazon. You know, they're trying to save money just like everybody else. And so they go to Amazon. They're spending tens of thousands of dollars with Amazon. When we come back, and he's just walked into the studio, we've got uh, Robert Steinbach here. He is a law professor over at UALR, Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone. Do not necessarily reflect those of the school of law or the uh, the, uh, college. With that in mind, when we come back... Did you know that the Democrats have an act out, not law yet, I don't think it's gone up for a vote yet, the Democrats' Equality Act. It would force public schools to include biological males who identify as transgender girls on female athletic teams. Now, there's a big war about this going on in the state of Connecticut. We'll hear all about it when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you again uh, there's a big war going on in Connecticut uh, uh, dealing with uh, transgender uh, men who men who say they're girls, all right, and they want to be on the girls' track team, the girls' basketball team, etc. And they're like a weightlifting team. They're crushing girls' records and things, and 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 sucking up all of the state titles and all the rest because they're men. All right, they're, they're, they're men. They're not girls. So I wanted to, to get into that. But before we do, great story today with the Daily Caller. Uh, suppressing testosterone levels in male athletes isn't enough to eliminate their natural advantages over female athletes. For most high school athletes, they don't even get into suppressing testosterone levels. That's basically on the college and then uh, into the Olympic uh, competitions. Uh, A new paper came out in the Journal of Medical Ethics. The paper's findings contradict congressional Democrats' claims that male athletes who identify as transgender don't have an inherent advantage over their female competitors. The paper says that's bullpucky. The authors, authors, two bioethics professors and a physiology professor, Noted that, quote, there is very little scientific evidence to support the argument that hormone therapy will mitigate the advantage trans women may have in comparison with cis women athletes. You got to learn a new look. It's a whole new language now. If you're a cis woman, that means you're a woman. All right. If you're a transgender woman, you're a guy that likes to dress up in women's clothes, basically. Uh, The author cited research showing that healthy young men did not lose significant muscle mass or power when their circulating testosterone levels were reduced to below International Olympic Committee guidelines for 20 weeks. Moreover, retention of muscle mass could be compensated for by training or other ergocentric methods. In addition, the phenomena of muscle memory means muscle mass and strength can be rebuilt with previous strength exercise, making it easier to regain muscle mass later in life, 
even after long intervening periods of inactivity and mass loss. The authors noted that indirect effects of testosterone will not be altered by hormone therapy. For example, hormone therapy will not alter bone structure, lung value uh, or volume, or heart size of the trans woman athlete, especially if she transitions post-puberty. So natural advantages including joint articulation, stroke volume, and maximal oxygen uptake will be maintained. That's all important in sports. All right. Not, it's, to, mention, not to mention, Dave, that uh, I'm an average height guy, but I'd be extremely tall for a woman. So it's just the physicality of it. The sheer physical nature is not comparable. Yeah, well, check this out. Unlike the authors who are doctors about this stuff, they know what they're talking about. And you know when you're a a senator or a, a congressman, just because they put that in front of your name does not make it that you slept at a Holiday Inn the night before and you know everything. Uh, But Democrats in Congress have repeatedly downplayed the competitive advantage that biological males have when competing in female athletics. Quote, the myth that trans women have a direct competitive advantage is not supported by medical science. That is a lie. That is a flat out bold face. I mean, it's just a plain lie. It's there's all kinds of scientific evidence that says that. And it continues to stoke Not to fear. mention, Dave, common sense. Yeah. Right? We're, we're still allowed to rely on common sense. I don't need some study from the Trans-Siberian Bolivian Conquest Journal to determine that men are physically stronger than women. Okay. Now, this continues to this is what the this congresswoman said. On it, average. It continues to stoke fear and violence against one of the most at-risk communities in the world. Okay, guess, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a couple of guesses. Guess who said this? AOC don't count. I have no idea because they're, they're, they're all standing on the end of that branch right well, now. Well, they're, the, they're one of the squad. Oh, well, if AOC's out, then it's uh, Elon Omar. It is. Well, I had a exactly. 33% chance of being right. And then there's uh, Talib, and then the fourth one that nobody ever hears from. So she really, I really pretty much had a 50-50 shot of getting it right. Okay. So... Keep this keep this up. Are you ready, Russ? Listen to this. The Democrats have what's called the Equality Act. Mm-hmm. This is not lawed yet. Okay, right. well, everybody understands. It's this. a bill. It will make gender identity a protected category under federal anti discrimination laws, which would force public schools to expand female athletic teams to include biological males who identify as transgender girls. You know what I want to force? I want to force any one of those stupid women politicians to get in the ring with a transgender male and make sure that they get their butts handed to them. (laughs) You know, Russ, what about this? In all seriousness, how about do any of those gated community leftists riding around in their limousines, are they willing to go take a shower with one of these transgendered women? I'm just curious. Seriously. Step Nancy up to the plate. Step up to the plate if you're willing to do it. I, I can see Pelosi getting uh, that way. Her face would break if somebody hit her. 
Uh, many states have sexual orientation and gender identity non-discrimination laws, and all of them still have women's sports, said House Judiciary Chairman Jerry Nadler during a committee hearing on the bill in April. Arguments about transgender athletes participating in sports in accordance with their gender identity having competitive advantages have not been borne out, said the New York Democrat. Are you that, Nadler, are you really that stupid? So he said two different things here. One is state versions of laws that already protect transgender identity haven't, according to him, resulted in states integrating transgendered women into female sports. And that's all a function of whatever the law says. So I don't know what the laws in in those states say, and I don't know what the draft bill that is being proposed in the U.S. Congress says. You can write it either way. You can exempt out sports or not. So it just depends how it's written. As for the latter point, as you aptly point out, Dave, it's sheer nonsense. It's stupidity. Yeah, sheer nonsense. And look at the Olympics. If that's the case, why don't they just make everybody show up? You don't have a women's track meet and a men's track right. meet, and everybody just runs against everybody. And ladies, you never win. Good luck. I told you that it's funny that you pick up track as the example because I told you the story where I, di- I dated a woman who was a competitive runner. And she said, oh, I did very well in this race I ran in. I said, oh, how'd you do? And she told me. And I said, so, and I don't know a lot about competitive running. And I said, oh, is that against men and women? And she goes, no, 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 it's only against women. All right. Hold your thought. We're going to come back. We've got to talk about it. More coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. You know, I've been reminding you about this. Let me remind you once again about Applied Research Center of Arkansas. First of all, they got a full-service walk-in clinic. It's right there by uh, uh, the Burger King on Rodney Parham uh, towards Henson. And you can go there and be seen for, you know, cold, flu, th- those type of things. And they're doing school physicals right now. Basically, school getting back underway uh, August 15th, 16th in that area. And uh, so summer vacation coming to an end for the kids. I just think summer vacation is not long enough for the kids anymore. I mean, I remember when we got out Memorial Day and then didn't go back until the day after uh, Labor Day. And I, you know, I just don't get it why we can't let kids have that still today. Uh, Applied Research Center of Arkansas also has plenty of current studies going on. Uh, if you go to their website, ARC Arkansas, that's ARC, ARCArkansas.com, they've got all these studies listed out for you, all of the qualifications you have to meet for the studies. Uh, they got the number that you can go to. You can even apply online. If you meet the uh, qualifications and see if you can get in one of these studies, uh, these studies are testing drugs uh, that are just about ready for the marketplace. Uh, you're not the first person taking them. There's been a lot of people taking them, but you get the drug for free or the, uh, you know, the pill that's the sugar pill. And uh, you'll also be paid. I mean, low testosterone, kidney stones, GERD. Uh, endometriosis, bunions, all kinds of stuff that they're looking for people in these studies. Again, ARCArkansas.com, phone number 501-954-7822. Anyway, there you got it. You have that. We're talking about transgenders taking part in uh, sports on a high school, college, whatever level. 
And uh, I'm not going to read any more of that story because it's just Democrats showing that they're clowns. The president called them clowns today. I got to agree. Let, you know, let's, they, let's, they look like clowns when they say this stuff. Let's put in, I don't know if disclaimer is the right word, but whatever, you know how you, when you put the disclaimer about me that I don't represent necessarily other, let's yeah. put the, I, and I, whenever we talk about this issue, I do think it's important to put in the following qualifier, which is the LGBTQ, whatever. The, WXYZ the, yeah, community. The, the gay and transgendered community. And I'm not trying to be facetious. They, they, do, they have bad labeling. It's too many letters. Uh, come on already. You know, uh, gay and transgender. If you can't fall into that, then uh, then uh, make another group. Uh, so the gay and transgender community historically has suffered incredible discrimination, uh, and it's undeserved. Uh, you should never discriminate against people uh, uh, for that or for anything else. In fact, you shouldn't treat p- people poorly because you you act differently. You don't have a common set of uh, beliefs, whatever it may be. And they have been, you know, the Nazis went after the gay and transgender community with roughly equal vigor as they went against the Jews. So we need to remember that uh, all people are to be treated, should be treated. And the Bible teaches us this, by the way. I, I agree. Right. However, right. I'm going to throw in a however yeah, here. Yeah. That does not mean that if you're a member of that community, you can turn around and if it has nothing to do with uh, equal treatment, exactly. that somehow you're supposed to ram it down my throat. Well, you don't get better treatment. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah, that's, that's, the thing. that's a better way you of putting it. You don't get better treatment. So we separate men and women in bathrooms and sports and all that kind of thing already. And guess what? If you're gay or transgendered, you still have to observe the same set of rules. That's all. That's all. You don't get better treatment. You shouldn't be treated worse, but you don't get. You know, if there's a kid in school and he's has these uh, uh, um, concerns and he wants to use this facility or that facility, uh, there are schools. This has happened already. School said, you know what? We will dedicate a private bathroom for you. But then they turn it down. Yeah, say, that's not, that's you're not making, good enough. Yeah, no, it's never good. So enough. everybody else has to bend. That's right. Now, that's what we're talking about. That's exactly special. right. Yes. That's not equal treatment. That's special treatment. And sports is another area. That's exactly right. All right. Because, see, Title IX, when it was first passed, was all about making sports open for females to take part in them. Because... You had the guys, and and they were they had football and basketball and baseball, and the and the girls were told, well, you can't play football with guys, you can't play, uh, you know, baseball with guys. Well, they turned around and say, okay, well, that's fine, but we can have a girls' team in basketball. We can have a track team for girls. We can have, you know, a lot of different sports, and girls can take part in them. I ha- I think that's the way it should be. Of course it is. I have a I have an award from the Women's Sports Foundation for the best coverage of uh, girls high school fast pitch softball. Did you play on the girls team? Dave? I did or, not. Oh, okay. I reported I maybe you on were trying, how they were I, doing. I got no, confused. I reported I got confused. on it. Now we've got guys who, by the way, many times have been competing on the boys team. 
can't do much on the boys' team, aren't good enough to be uh, make the cut on the boys' team, now say, I identify as a girl, and they want to play on the girls' team. And then they go in and blow up all the records and stuff like that. A guy did in Minnesota dealing with weightlifting. That's not right. And it's taking a law that had... I believe, an honorable reason for being put in and dishonoring what the spirit of that law is. Let's find out about what's going on in Connecticut. Here's Christina Holcomb. There's a growing debate in the state of Connecticut about gender identity and sports. Some families are saying that the state's policy on transgender student athletes violates Title IX, the federal law protecting students from discrimination based on sex in school programs and activities. And, Steph, you, you're covering this, and I have a feeling that this is just the tip of the iceberg. We're going to see this going uh, happening again and again. Yeah, it really is, and it's, it's a tricky one. We spoke to some young athletes in Connecticut about their shared love of track and field, but also the personal differences some believe impact the playing field. In June, a complaint was filed by the families of three girls who say allowing transgender athletes to compete in sports as the gender they identify with unfairly discriminates against their daughters and can cause them to miss out on opportunities to showcase their talents and get scholarships. Selena Soul, Andrea Yearwood, and Terry Miller are high school seniors in Connecticut. All three are athletes in track and field. And all three want to compete in college. I get on the track, I can just let everything in my life go and I can just be free and focus on my run. I love track because of the community within track. I love track because I feel like I'm a part of a second family. It's like another bond that you experience. All three are also at the center of a contentious battle in competitive sports. Andrea and Terry are transgender females. Selena first saw Andrea race her freshman year. I saw that she was so far ahead of everyone else, and I thought to myself that this wasn't right. Something is going on here. And later I found out that that athlete was a transgender female. There have obviously been some people who are very like negative towards it, and then there have obviously been other people who are very supportive of it and just want me to continue doing what I'm doing. The Connecticut Interscholastic Athletic Conference, or CIAC, says it follows state law, allowing students like Andrea and Terry to compete as the gender they identify with. Connecticut is one of 19 states that have similar laws. We run chat because that's where we feel most comfortable. That's Mm -hmm. our sport. We're female, so we wouldn't run on any other team but the female team. Selena says Andrea and Terry have an unfair physical advantage, forcing her to miss out on a spot at a regional competition and meet college coaches. Is it frustrating for the other runners, and have you had conversations with them about it? I have, and it it is very frustrating for us because no matter how hard we try and how hard we train, they will beat us no matter what. In June, Selena, two other unidentified female students, and their parents filed a complaint with the Department of Education for discrimination. They are being represented by Alliance Defending Freedom, a Christian law firm that has previously fought against transgender causes. Attorney Christiana Holcomb says in this case, the state of Connecticut is violating Title IX. Explain to me the complaint. What we're hoping to achieve is to have the department start an investigation and ultimately to restore faith 
fairness and a level playing field to women's sport. I don't think any solution can be truly fair that allows a biological male to come in and take away athletic opportunities from young women. Right now in the NCAA, um, if a transgender athlete has taken hormone suppression for a year, they are allowed to compete. Does that rise to your level of fairness? You know, I think even that poses significant questions of fairness because even under that rubric, a biological male can come in and be on the podium displacing a young woman. While Andrea and Terry did not discuss their private medical history, they do say the issue goes far beyond the podium and the medals. So you don't want to run with the boys and not the girls, so what are we? Are we not human like everybody else? Am I just some it or... I don't, my life doesn't matter. How do you think we feel? We go through this every day and we're brave enough to keep running. 16 Connecticut women's rights and gender equality groups, including the ACLU, have responded to the complaint, saying in part, together we reject unfounded fears about transgender athletes in our state and reject the suggestion that cisgender women and girls benefit from the exclusion of women and girls who happen to be transgender. Is there a way for transgender athletes to compete uh, that would be fair, that you would see as fair? I think there would be a way. I'm not sure what that would be. I'm only 16, so it's not, it shouldn't be up to me to decide. All three students say they'll continue to run when school starts back up. We reached out for comment to the U.S. Department of Education's Office for Civil Rights, but they told us they will not comment on ongoing matters. We also reached out to the Connecticut Interscholastic Athletic Conference, and they say, in part, while the CIAC has not yet been contacted by the Office of Civil Rights of the United States Department of Education, we will cooperate fully if OCR decides to investigate this complaint. We take such matters seriously, and we believe that the current CIAC policy is appropriate under both Connecticut law and Title IX. Hmm. It's so interesting. It's, it's something I've really never thought about before, and, but it, it is such a, a, a big discussion. It's a complicated issue, it. and it is a tough one, and all three of these teenagers um, get beaten up on social media. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of hate out there, but it's a conversation we really need to have. And, and it's going to just keep happening, so we really need to do something about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Steph, thanks so much. You're All right, there's a story. Robert, I'll let you go first. You know what's so interesting is you heard those three hack journalists, and not one of them would make any comment of substance. Well, you know, that's a serious, that's a good question. This is a tricky one. That's a tricky, serious <laughs> question. I can't, well, what, who, where? When was that? I gotta go get some coffee. Shut up! Shut up! Is what I say to them. If you don't want to do your job and actually present it, well, let me just. It was like Don Lemon last night. Don Lemon last night. He has these two African American women on the show. Very nice women, seemingly. And some piece of garbage came up to them in a mall. I want to say Georgia, maybe Alabama, uh, and and was making noise to them because they were allegedly making noise. Whatever, I don't care what the, the cause was. And and the person that came up to them used the N-word in, in an accusatory way, you know, called them the N-word. Okay. Wholly inappropriate. Wholly bad. Right. Wholly evil. So Don Lemon. Holy uh, cow. 
Holy cow! <laughs> Just what was, what was that uh, baseball um, announcer? Holy cow! That would be Harry Carey. Ha- this is Harry Carey. Very good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, in any event, this crackpot comes up to these two black women, uses the N-word against them in an offensive way. Okay. So, Don, Le- Don Lemon's speechless. Oh, my gosh. Don't get me wrong. It's bad. I bet he didn't. I bet he didn't say, "Oh my gosh." Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's racist. So he goes, "Well, has this happened to you before?" Because this is what he's doing. He's ginning up, right? He's ginning up that that racist theme. This is a racist country, Dave. Don't you know? According to Don Lemon, every part of the air is infected with particles of racism. It's all around you. It's like the force in Star Wars. Can't get away from it. So, you know what the women say? Uh, no, never happened before. Wait, what? Wait, what was that? This never, was the first time? This, never happened before. So then he goes, well, well, do you think, do you think people are, uh, are, are, are more emboldened? By the way, more than what? More is a sentence that goes with than. More than. But he, he didn't give it the than, right? Why? Because he was, hey, hint, hint, ladies, what I'm saying, says Don Lamont in his head. Hint, hint, more than before Trump was elected. So they're like, oh, yeah. They don't even know how to answer the question. And then, of course, he's got to bring someone else in. One of these pundits that you've seen on TV, I can't remember his name now. And it wasn't Charles Blowhard from uh, the The New New York York Times, Times, but it was someone with the same theme as Charles Blowhard. This guy comes on, well, it's because it's rampant racism. Everywhere you turn in the United States, it's rampant racism. Bullocks, I say to you. You like that one? How's that for? Yeah. (laughs) So this is what, this is the kind of thing. It's that it's all part of breeding this grievance this false claim of rampant racism. It's, it's really, you know, Dave, we talked about it before. I didn't vote for Obama. He's, wasn't, he's too leftist for me. But I did think it was a nice reflection of this country that, not that we voted in a leftist, but that obviously. That a by, black man could win right, the presidency. Right. By definition, there was insufficient racism in this country for the purposes of preventing a black man from becoming president. That, By definition, that statement is true. You can't dispute that statement. That wouldn't be 100 years ago. That probably wouldn't be 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. But it was. Probably when, not 20 maybe, years ago. Maybe. But it was when Obama was elected. So. No, I don't think it's a racist country. By the way, I don't think this world will ever be free of racism. No. No. Man is a fallen creature. That's right. Absolutely not. That's right. I've met plenty of bad people. I've met plenty of ignorant people. But that this country is a racist... You know, by the way, it's, it's a racist country, yet people from every country... No, we're not just a no. racist country. We are a systemic Oh, I love this, country. right? Well, you see, the problem, this is this is Elizabeth Warren. This is a professor of law at Harvard. By the way, the uh, first Native American professor of law, because she's one one millionth uh, Native American, and you saw that on her bar card from Texas. The Native, it, it is uh, front to back, she says, 
our justice system is infected with racism. What? What? You're teaching law for, what, 30 years? Yeah. What did you do about it then? Hold your thought. We got more to talk about here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Robert Steinbach here. You want to get involved in the conversation? 501-823-0965. It's what you want to Come on back and let him fin- let to let him let uh, Robert finish up real quickly. No, I'm good. Let's, go, let's go to the caller. All right, John. How you doing, John? Hey, Doc. No, it's hey, Dave. How's it going? Happy Friday to you. Thank you. Hey, just a couple comments real quick. Going uh, back to uh, the discussion right before you went to break. Did you? And you may have talked about this earlier this week. I I don't know. I'm I'm just still going to throw it back out there. Just the racist hate that exists within the Democratic Party is so rampant that, you know, the senator in uh, Georgia that went off on the uh, a tear uh, on social media about a guy telling her to go back where she came from. Yeah, it was another USLB, politician blah, who blah, said blah, that. And the guy was real quick to say he was Cuban and that he voted Democrat, that he wasn't a white guy. Yeah. It, you know, I, I mean, it's just ridiculous how... But but still, at the end of the day, it's all Trump's fault. I, well, of course. Figure. Don't you believe uh, that? Don't you then, believe it's uh, not the president's fault? Yeah. yeah <laughs> just lay it at his feet. Let him be the fall guy. And That's then right. The second comment I've got is with regard to the transsexuals that are uh, in sports. Transgender. They take hormones. So yeah. how is that How is that legal for – you? You know, if if you're just a straight person and you're taking hormones, you're going to get disqualified. Uh, eventually, you you can't do that in the Olympics. Yeah. Now wait, so, wait, wait. First of all, John, I, I you've got to learn to talk the lingo. All right. They're transgender, yeah. and if if you're straight, you're cisgender. All right. So I got to teach you. To, <laughs> I got I got to teach you well, the not, new terms. I'm going to call a manhole a manhole. I got gotcha. you. I can't. I just. You know, I'm gonna call it what it is. <laughs> I so. got you. Thanks, John. I appreciate your call. But I, yeah, I just had to. Yeah, I just had to let you know that you know it's transgender and it's cisgender. And we're, we're supposed to learn a whole new lexicon in our culture now. That's well, just you've got it down, Dave. Do. You know, you've got it down. I'm trying. I'm trying. I want to. I I like I like everybody to listen to my show, even the people who are wrong. That's 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 really important to me because we like to bring them truth every day, and that's what we uh, continue to do. Hey, we come back. We're going to speak truth in the next hour. You don't want to miss this. It's going to be crazy. Hang on. What are they going to call me first, racist or xenophobic? Yep. Okay. We'll get back in a moment on the Dave Ellswick Show. Final hour of a Friday. Thank God. All right, just saying. I'm I, I'm looking forward to the weekend. I got to come in tomorrow. We got the got the car and truck doctors. I do that every Saturday morning at nine o'clock. But that's in and out, and I'm done. And it's going to be beautiful weather. I got to do some edging tomorrow. Then going to be out hanging around the pool, getting a little sun. Got to make sure my grill. I haven't grilled one time this year yet. There's something wrong with me. That's a crime. Well, I agree because I love to grill. <clears throat> I really do. I love to grill. All I right, grilled last night. Going to move away from transgenderism and being cisgender and being transgender and 
all the other kind of genders. What I, I thought I heard somebody said there was like 65 different genders now. That's a big number. That is a big number because I just thought it was always boys and girls. How stupid of me, huh? That's what she said. Yeah, I'm just saying. It's crazy. That's what Doc said. I mean, listen to me. Doc is telling you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think I'm 23A. 23A. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I have but. no idea. All right, so I was sent an article by Robert. Me? Yeah, you sent it to me. Blame this it on is, me. This was a transcript of what University of Pennsylvania law professor Amy Wax said at the National Conservatism Conference back on July 15th. These remarks were made during the uh, immigration breakout session chaired by Ryan Williams. Uh, the panelists were Amy Wax, Scott McConnell, Mike Gonzalez, Luma Sims, and uh, then he sent me the full transcript of Max uh, Wax's remarks, which were quickly attacked by a Vox writer. Vox, if you don't know, is a, a, a web page that really is not left. I don't know what you say when it goes further than left, maybe outer space or something like that. They, I mean, they even... 360? Yeah, I don't know, man. There's no way of explaining these people. But anyway, they attacked her. I'm sure they called her a white supremacist. But uh, she brought up some legitimate questions about immigration and and how we do it, and why we do it, and should we keep doing it the way we've been doing it. And my, and I'm going to be honest with you, Robert, the part of this whole thing that I found the most interesting was not specifically what she said and talking about magic dirt and all of that, and I'll explain to you what that means. But the talk afterwards in the question and answer segment which I found really, really intriguing. I really did. So this woman is very good. I'm just going to say this lady is brilliant in some of the things she talks. But I'm just going to say she's brilliant. But for people who have have checked out of serious conversations because of the PC culture we live in, where you can't say what you're actually thinking because you're afraid that you're going to be pigeonholed as something that you're not, and you're going to be called names, and you might lose your job, and everything else that goes on. This was refreshingly, brutally honest. Well, and by the way, she's a law professor. She's a professor at a university. My alma mater, no less, by the way. not University of Pennsylvania. That's where I got two degrees from and did you know her no no because i she's at the law school i did my law studies at columbia okay but think about this dave we've talked about and josh silverstein was here uh when you were away talking about the lawsuit of the three professors against the university of arkansas system for their change in rules regarding tenure and academic freedom uh if university of pennsylvania had the rules that are now in place in the University of Arkansas. Wax wouldn't have a job. I think that might be right. I think that's true. Yeah. I think that's true. Yeah. Here, here is what she said. 
My task in these few minutes is to address the question of how American immigration should be structured to support a constructive, ooh, ooh, here comes trigger words, American national identity. Are you kidding? National? National? No. You might as well just say racist. Yeah, no, a national Nazi identity. That's what, there, there you, that's what you're saying hey, when you say national. I just put the swastika up here on my bicep. Right, I'm just by, saying. By, by the way, Amy Wax, Jewish. Yeah, yeah okay. I'm just saying. I'm okay. just saying. You know, you don't find that many, that many Jewish Nazis. Okay, yeah. Typically not. I don't know if there are any. A national, well, maybe you. Anyway, a national, <sighs> uh, a constructive American national identity, dot, 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 American greatness as I put it in my title. My argument is that mainstream conservatives should take much more seriously the case for reducing and slowing our current levels of immigration. I don't address the economic reasons for curtailing immigration. That tells you right now we're going to get into deep water here in just a moment. Although I myself believe they are on balance fairly compelling Rather, my focus will be on terming the cultural case for restriction a much thornier topic. My position here is that conservatives need a realistic approach to immigration that best serves and preserves our country's status and identity as a relatively high-functioning, at least for now, Western and First World nation. That status will not automatically maintain itself. It is fragile. It is precarious, vulnerable to erosion. We ought to worry more about its fragility than we do. That's some serious, serious setup right Dave, there. Dave. Is it not? Dave, uh, unfortunately, as usual, I'm going to need to correct you. I'm, okay. I'm going to need to straighten you out. I'm going to need to take you out to the killing fields. All right. Give you a little re-education camp. Because put me behind the barbed wire. Put you behind the barbed wire, Dave. Because Western values. What are Western values? Those are racist. Well, if you're a Western value person, you believe in taking everything from the indigenous people and uh, using it to become great, and leaving the indigenous people in the dirt behind you. Or so says the left. That's and exactly so says right. history textbooks in America today. I'm going to be talking about that. No, Can't no. talk until August because the book doesn't come out to the 20th, but I think on the 21st the author will be on with me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this is the point. There is a notion of Western values. I took a class in high school called Western Civilization. I dare say that the West would call that today Racism 101. I would agree wholeheartedly with that. But let's let's break down what is encompassed by the notion of western civilization the rule of law yes justice yeah she goes into equality uh no cronyism a lack of corruption or at least efforts against it advancement merit hard work these are Western values. Okay, now, can I... Let me tell you what Professor Wax says. I wonder if she would come on the air with us. we got to try to do 
You and I would love it. We'd have a good time talking to it. I mean, I've communicated with with Amy for some time now. So here's when she says this again, let me mention this because we live in a politically correct society. You are not allowed. You are allowed to have these ideas because they haven't figured out a way to read your mind yet. If they ever do, you won't be allowed to have these thoughts. Well, remember, that was the bill that I wanted to bring up here in Arkansas where I said you shouldn't be able to uh, do some mind scrubbing of government employees because you don't like what they say at home at night on Facebook in their footsie pajamas. And I got pushed back from Republicans. Yeah. From Republicans. Right. Not going to happen next time. All right. Let's, let's, let's listen to, to Amy here. She says she's talking about some creedal nationalists maintain that because it is open to anyone, the, the creed, well, you're talking about law and things of that nature, all of those, all of those considerations are open to everyone. Uh, she says that's in principle. Uh, to believe and support these ideas, there is no reason to favor immigrants from one background or another, creedal nationalists say. I don't think that conclusion necessarily follows. And listen to what she says here. Remember, I, I, I think she's very courageous in saying what she's saying. Many, indeed most, inhabitants of the third world don't necessarily share our ideas and beliefs. Others pay lip service but don't really comprehend them. There are exceptions, of course, but most people are not exceptional. Thus, creedal nationalism could support a low and slow approach to immigration. But the second type of nationalism is what I call, that I want to uh, concentrate on, cultural distance nationalism. And it goes further, further, it's based on the insight and understanding that people's background culture can affect their ability to fit into a modern, advanced society and to perform the roles needed to support and maintain it i.e. civic, occupational, economic, technical, and the like. Racist! All right. So I asked the question at the end of I'm last... I'm being facetious, I know that. Way, for those in the last radio. half hour of the last hour, I, I brought this up, and I just said, why do third world nations, some, a lot of them, stay third world nations? Why don't they advance to first world nation them. And it's not because of the first world nations. It's because of the third world nation not being able to pull themselves up to be a first world nation. Why? I heard a cultural anthropologist recently bring up a very interesting point. One of the things that allowed the United States to advance 200 years ago is domesticated animals not for pets for work for farming well you know if you go to australia or africa there's very little domesticatable animals i mean you can't you can't domesticate they bring them in now they do yeah but you can't domesticate a rhino or lions right that's the point so you can't fun to watch now I can I can tell you what I I I have a big old farm of domesticated giraffes so I could milk them and get skittles. I'm you know, just saying. You know you you cannot domesticate, for example, 
uh, zebras. You think, well, they're like horses. No, they're not. They're and so, different breed. And so it's one of the many reasons why different places in the world have different levels of advancement. Now, does, that's not the fault of any people. That's not an insufficiency of any people. But the fact is that the United States, among other places, was able to advance because of this coincidence of human ability and domesticatable animals and a lot of other things as well. It's not racism. It's not exploitation. It's a fact of history. Okay, but here's the key, Robert, that I think we need to talk about. Why did the American experiment begin? It was because the men who were here were steeped in the Magna Carta and a whole lot of other historical documents that talked about the worth of the individual. The rights of mankind. And they started talking, and they came up and said, let's take it even further. That's right. What's the difference there with what happen, that's happening in Africa? Because the basis of what they are coming up in is tribal. And that's one of that's something. And it's, a, it's and, the and, Middle East. Yeah, and they have to overcome that to be able. And it's what that's Western thought that we're talking about. That's that's the definition of Western civilization. That's the point. So the question is, if you really want to have a serious discussion about it, and you don't want to just call names at people. And you want to say, well, maybe they got something here, is that Western civilization is better than African tribalism and mid-Eastern uh, tribalism. Well, let's be clear, any form of tribalism. And see, that's where the Jewish people do it better than a lot of other people. You know, Abraham yeah, wasn't not, a Jew, he's Israeli right. or whatever. Well, he, he, was the first, uh, he was the first monotheist, actually. Yeah. So, you, got, so he, you could call him a Christian. Yeah. You can call him a Muslim. Yeah, the bottom line, he came through, he, he treated people differently, not completely, but there was a definite shift in the way they treated people from the surrounding tribes. Oh, that's right. That's right. Well, and then certainly post-Moses, right? After the laws were given to the Jews, they had tribes. But That's they had right. a set of rules That's that transcended exactly right. the tribes. Which is the the forerunner of Western civilization. Hundred percent, by the way. Hundred percent. What's your that wait, always, wait what? Wait what? Religion has a foundation in our legal system? Yeah. That's blasphemy. And you can't put those Ten Commandments up. Even though they're the basis of our all of our other laws. That's right. Who's who's the state senator that put up the Ten Commandments? State Senator Rayford. He'll be on tomorrow with State Senator Kim Hammer Fantastic. at noon. Fantastic. Good for him. Good for him for getting that done. Yeah, I agree. By the way, State Senator Kim Hammer has up in his office the Ten Commandments. It's the basis of law. It is literally the basis of our system. It's in the Supreme Court, for God's sakes. It's really remarkable. But it can't be in a high school in America or a grade school in America, but the Supreme Court can have it. 
the court of the nation, the court of our land. It's really remarkable. So the, the question is, do you want to bring in a bunch of people that don't believe in Western thought? That's you know, the her question. Point, her point, I think, is in the, even a little more subtle, which is, it's not that we want to refuse entry, but we need to be concerned. We need to modulate the entry of those who are not already trained in Western civilization. Think of it this way, Dave. Let's say you're running a high school football team, and you know me. I don't know much about sports. Ross, back me up on this when I start using the wrong terminology. What is it? It's a football bat, right? So, <laughs> so is that right? Did I get that right? A, fo- a football bat. bat, right? What? Yeah, yeah what? there you go. The football, that's the, that's the round one, right? In any event. <laughs> so you're running a high school football team. You want to win. But you also understand there are other values to be pursued. It's, you know, you're not uh, competitive in terms of national television. So you'll let in some, some, some of the younger kids, some of the smaller kids, some of the slower, physically slower kids. But you're not going to open it up entirely, right? You're not going to say, okay, let's have our high school football team all with freshmen. Because particularly in high school, freshmen are a lot smaller than seniors. You know, college, less so, right? But kids are still growing. So you're not going to have an all-freshman football team if you can avoid it. So that's the point that Amy Wax is saying here. She, she says, look, you're opening up our country. It's not their country. It's not outsider's country. It's insider's country. And if we're opening the doors, which we should, by the way, let's let in a few freshmen for the team, and we'll try to train them up. By the way, this way... See how it goes. See how it goes, and we'll build them up, right? Because this way we'll have some continuity in the team. But let's let in some of those big seniors. That's all she's saying. Oh, you can't say it, Dave. You can't say it. Well, I love this argument she brings up about magic dirt. Yeah. And we'll get into that. Do Do we have to take a break right now? Do we need to get a break in, Russ? We need to. Okay, let's take the break, and then we'll explain to you what we mean by... Magic Dirt here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so what did we mean by Magic Dirt? Okay. In immigration, few people dare. I'm going to read directly from Amy uh, Wax's speech here. When it comes to immigration, few dare to challenge a pie-in-the-sky version of what part of the right has called, quote, the dogma of Magic Dirt. This is what this means. People who come to the U.S., no matter from what cultural background, will quickly come to think, live, and act just like us. They will celebrate, embrace, and support our ways. They will function effectively to maintain them. And everyone is strictly equal in the potential to contribute to American life just because they came and stood on the magic dirt of America. Guess what? We didn't get where we're at because of magic dirt. You have to question the transformative power of magic dirt. Being hobbled by a lack of rigorous data and systematic study, but in large part that is because social scientists today 
and this is what we referred to at the beginning of the show, that we were going to talk in a way that in a this politically correct culture we have now, people don't want you to talk like. Uh, in large part, that's because social scientists today don't want to really confront the significance of cultural differences between the West and the rest, their stickiness and their implications for immigration, yet these issues have commanded the attention of the rare, brave politician and a number of scholars. That's really so true. If you're not willing to, uh, you know, courageously, it shouldn't have to be courageously, in academia, in, in sitting down and talking to people, you should be able to talk openly and, and, and talk from how you see things without being called names. That's not the way it is now. Absolutely. You talk to anybody Absolutely. from the left, and as soon as I, if I wanted to talk about what we just kind of brushed over a little bit here, I would be called a racist, a xenophobe, and a homophobe, and every bad name that they could come up with, and then the last thing they say, you're a Nazi. I published an article, Dave, in a legal journal out of Harvard, and the title of my article, you can look it up online, is racist. It's, oh, I think it's about 10 years old at this point. And then I presented that paper, amongst other places, uh, in Austria. Wow. Yeah. And I had a very nice discussion with an American professor who was visiting there and an Austrian professor. And we were talking and I referred to it much as I did earlier in this show, in which somebody used the N-word. And this Austrian, who was fluent in English, said, I don't, what's N-word? What does that mean? I don't know what that means. And actually, the other guy that I w- who was there, the other professor, the other American, he wasn't with me, he explained the full word. And so the Austrian professor looked confused, and he said, well, why are you... Why are you saying the N-word? I don't understand what that means. Why are you not saying the word? And he said the word. And we said, well, because you're not permitted to say that word. And he said, well, of course you're not permitted to call somebody that word. That's the whole point. It's it's an awful word. And he was aware of the word, just not the the abbreviation of the N-word. So, well, of course you can't call somebody that word. And we said, no, 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 you're, you're misunderstanding. Of course you can't call someone that word. But you can't. Even in an academic discussion, say the word. He said, wait, what? Like the three of us here, if we were sitting in America, you couldn't say the word? We said, yeah. Now, and even he said, he goes, I don't have any particular desire to say the word, but how are you supposed to have a discussion about the word when you're dancing around the word? You know what's so funny is what he's saying is what the comedian Lenny Bruce said. Of course. Back in the late 40s, early 50s. About other words. Yeah. Right. About right. how when you tell people you can't say that word, you give that word more power than what that word deserves. That's 100% correct. You know, the the, uh, the uh, you know, I'm going to use the term I came up with earlier. The gay and transgendered community use the term queer now. In a positive way. Yeah, if I said queer, if I said queer 
10 years take, ago, right. they'd take me off the air. Right. But now, but the gay and transgender community has now sort of co-opted that word. And there's something subtle and sophisticated about that, right? Which is take back the word. Take the power. Take the power. It's exactly right. Now, you can choose not to, but I think it's a rather sophisticated move. I, do, I you know? agree with that. Yeah. I mean, that makes, it makes sense to me. But, you know, I, this is such a great article. She gets in. To well, t- read another part of it. You know, it. yeah, I can. Let's see. Um, let's see. Amy Wax Numbers is- mean something. Yeah. Okay, so let me explain what Wax is saying and that others have said, and uh, some of the people who have said this have been painted as racist, homophobes, uh, xenophobes, uh, terrible, terrible, terrible people, though they were great, great, great people, that numbers mean something. And that is, if you have a society, and within that society you have formed a culture, if you open the doors to another culture to come in to be part of your culture, if you continually allow them to come through unabated and don't control the numbers, soon your culture will not be there any longer but theirs will be. Exactly. This is right, isn't this is, isn't that what's said in the Old Testament? You know, I'm not familiar with that reference, albeit it wouldn't surprise me. You weren't able to go out and and marry people from other if you were Jewish, supposed oh, to marry Jews yeah, and yeah, things of that yeah, nature. Oh, that sh- for sure. That's for your culture, right, your right, religion. That's right. That's right? right. That's what I'm saying. Look, it's it's not terribly complicated, right? If you. If you have, if you like iced tea, and you put a splash of lemon, it's iced tea with a splash of lemon. If you have iced tea and you put three quarters lemon, it's lemonade. It's different. It's simply my point. So of course you've got to modulate immigration to maintain what you want to maintain, and to the extent you want to change something. Let's say you have insufficient number of engineers. Well, then you don't want to modulate. Let them all, you know, let as many engineers in as you can get. So there are many factors to be considered. But one factor to be considered is culture. Now, here's something interesting. When my parents came here, they came in the 50s. And the idea was assimilation. By the way, assimilation does not mean discarding prior no. Elements. It means it means what we used to say. We're apparently not allowed to say it anymore. Melting pot. That's all. So guess what? When I grew up, we ate hot dogs, hamburgers, steak, fried chicken. None of well, maybe steak, but I'm not sure. But <laughs> but everything else no no, but everything else completely foreign to my parents, right? They wouldn't have eaten any of that. Okay. Right? So that's all American. Why do we eat it? Because they came to America. But we also had Traditional Jewish food, matzo ball soup. We had that. We had these. By the way, keep talking. You're going to make me hungry. Make, right. We had pastrami. Uh, what, what you know is deli food, right? Uh, we had um, smoked salmon, although not too much because it wasn't cheap. And when I was growing up, we had no money. By the time my parents passed away, they had some accumulated uh, money, but not not when I was young. You know, we didn't eat salmon. We ate sardines. 
We ate a lot of sardines, actually. <laughs> we did. I like sardines. That's a poor man sandwich. Well, we, and we had that. We yeah. had that on, on, on rye bread. I got you. Yeah. Herring? Anyway. Pickled herring? Oh, well, pickled herring is a Jewish food. You I know. know it is. Yeah, we had pickled herring all the time. Okay. And, and salted herring. I don't know if you know. That's a hard dish to find. Uh, but pickled and salted herring, that's... So, p- what's my point here? Why am I telling you about this other than to make you hungry? As people are driving <laughs> home on quarter of six, yeah. right? The point is that my parents believed in assimilation. And so that's what they did. They didn't give up all of their culture, but they believed in this notion of assimilation. And that's one of the ideas that Amy Wax is trying to convey here, which is you need to bring in people who will join in, and they may add to the flavor, right? They may add their mustard to that hot dog. But nonetheless, they're building on the American enterprise. And if you do it too quickly, with too disparate a set of values, then you get a clash. All right, so let's talk about one last thing here before break. Yeah. Wax said, most recently, Larry Mead, in his new book, The Burdens of Freedom, which I'm going to have to read now that she's mentioned it, has argued that individualism, which is a key source of Western and American order, and there's a huge cultural divide about this now because we believe in individual freedom of course or have believed it and now we're trying to get people to change your beliefs from that to that of the the democratic socialists in europe to collectivists all right is a distinctly first world attribute that is difficult to impart to outsiders and that it is key to maintaining our freedoms and prosperity. These insights are supported by the European experience with Muslim immigration. Well, we talk, I think we talked about this article in the New York Times very recently. Sweden all of a sudden is having problems. Wait, what? I thought the, Sweden, the Swedish enterprise was a model. Yeah, what did I tell you all along? I've been telling you for years. Sweden... Is 18 families living on an, an, on an iceberg. And once you start bringing in other people, things are going to break down. And sure enough, they brought in, I think, like over 100,000 immigrants in short order. And all of a sudden, it's going to pop. There are complaints that they're, they're, ta- they're sapping the welfare system. Their, their interactions are not similar to what is to be expected. There's a lot conformity. There's a lot of conformity because, like I said, they all grow up with one papa. It's one family. Mm-hmm. I'm exaggerating, but you take my point. And there are all sorts of issues because there's this huge influx of an entirely different culture entire, and, and, and a huge drain on the social welfare system in Sweden. And the point is, you can let people in. Be careful how quickly you do it. Yeah, we'll talk about that, especially when we come back. It's important that we do here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with us. Uh, the country's future trajectory will not be determined by political correctness, but by reality and facts on whether cultural differences really matter, whether they're stubborn, whether they have consequences. And by the time that becomes clear, And that dynamic plays out, it may be too late to turn the ship, and it may well be too late already. Our legacy population is demoralized, beleaguered, and disorganized. 
They may no longer be able to serve as a model for anyone to emulate, which brings me to another important development which undergirds hostility to cultural distance thinking, but also strengthens the case for taking it seriously, and that's the rise of multicultural identity politics, uh, a hot topic for discussion among conservatives and an ideology increasingly championed by minority and newcomer elites. Understand what multicultural thinking means. It means our culture cannot be the overriding culture. We must be willing to take other people and embrace their cultures as well. Well, what if their cultural beliefs are not as good as our cultural beliefs? Well, no, let's be clear, Dave. Not what if they're not as good. What if they're antithetical? Antithetical. And this is the hypocrisy of let the me, left. Let me, let me give you an What about people that come from the Middle East and from decidedly Muslim areas, and they say, you know, yeah, you got the Constitution, but I want Sharia law. What do you do with that? The left, the conservatives have pointed out the irony of the American left. What's ironic about the American left is when conservative Christians want to pursue their conservative Christian values. They're told, well, that, no, 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 you can't do it. No, that don't fit in here. We don't like that. But when someone comes over from a third world country with decidedly different values, it was like, well, you see, you see, that's a, that's multicultural. We've got to respect how they do things. Yeah, but they're, they're beating women. They're throwing gays off the tops of buildings. Well, you see, well, now, now, now we need to understand that all these values are relative. Uh, no, no. I was in Israel on a congressional delegation when I worked in the U.S. Senate, and we went to meet with a branch of the State Department known as the USAID. I forgot what the letters stand for, the AID part, needless to say. Part of the alphabet. Indeed. And the the chief of the office was away. So the bureau hack who had worked there a thousand years uh, was the one to meet with us. And just recently, apparently, they had fumbled by initially by giving money over to a Palestinian group that built a playground. That's fine, but they named it after a terrorist. And then it was discovered, and they backpedaled, and they changed the name of it to you know like community area. And so I said to this pure hack, well, "What happened with that that initial?" Activity. How did it come about that nobody here at USAID saw that this community center was being named after a terrorist? And she said, well, you know, one person's terrorist is another person's freedom fighter. Oh, yeah. yeah. We've all heard that oh, yeah. term. And I said, yeah, I, I recognize that. But he's my terrorist. Meaning to me... He's the terrorist. I don't care about someone else's incorrect value judgment as to what makes a terrorist. He's my terrorist. Not meaning mine that I support. By my definition, he's a terrorist. So let's cut it out. I didn't say it with quite the vehemence, but I think I made the point even back then. And she moved on. 
So this is the point when they tell you, well, you know, there are different values, you see, and, and uh, all the values are equal. It's just we're picking them out of a hat, you see. And you, you know what's interesting about, we were talking about the Ten Commandments, Dave. You might think I'm changing topics. I no. am not. You know what the first commandment, of course you do, is I am your God. You shall have no other God before No me. other God. Who is that speaking to? Everyone. Mm-hmm. Everyone. That means these rules apply universally. These rules are not relative. And see, that's what's so important about what the atheist says and what and what they're attacking about our country is that they want everybody to believe there is no God. Thus, you make up your own rules. That's the difficulty. That's the difficulty. Listen, you want to be an atheist, knock yourself out. But the problem is you better subscribe to a common set of Western values in a Western society such as ours, or you ain't going to fit in. And if there is no God... There is no truth. Of course. Because every man becomes God. What, what, the, the original what does truth sin, mean? Huh? What does truth mean yeah, then? I'm with you. There's no. We're talking about morality. We're not talking about whether I'm sitting in front of a desk. We're talking about moral truth. There's no moral truth then. That's See, right. That's right. I, these are the conversations I love having. Yeah. Because th- we're now, we have cut all through all the, the BS and pablum. And we're talking about the rock-bottom issues that face our country. And I'm just telling you, what we have just talked about, the left wants nothing of. Dave, if you have a kid, and the kid keeps saying, why? And you answer the question, why do tigers, uh, why do zebras have stripes? Well, because when they run, and then it, the, the animal attacking them, kids. And, okay, why does that? And they keep going, why? Right? Kids, three year old. Why? Why? What's the last answer? There's one of two. There's only two last answers. One is God said so. Some moral truth. Or I said so. Now, and I, maybe I'm right or wrong, right, but I but, said so. But And here's the thing. For a three-year-old, I said so works. Yes. For adults, you know what I said so without any moral component is? It's called a dictatorship. It's called Pol Pot. It's called Stalin. Stalin. Mao. Hitler. Just fill in the blanks. Mussolini. That's what it is. And in some instances, even our own government. Interesting. So this is this is why there has to be some basic moral foundation and a common moral foundation. And so when you start talking about immigration, these questions arise. Yep. But you know what the, the lottery is in immigration? Hey, we don't have a, enough people from country X. Let's let in more than enough. What a, where's that meter? Where's the, the country that's meter? That's the multiculturalism. That's it. That's it. It's a multicultural meter. They go around. Oh, no, that, that's, that's redlining. You better fill that up a little bit. Hogwash. All right. We're out of US time, agency bro. Agency for International Development. There it is. All right. God bless. Thank you for giving us the alphabet uh, soup of governmental programs. <laughs> I got used to that in the military, man. Everything was just letters and numbers. Robert, thanks so much for coming you, in. I hope friend. everybody enjoyed that discussion. That's an important one. We'll come back. We'll pick it up on Monday. Seriously, we're going to try to get Ms. Wax on if she'll join us, the professor. You had a whole week of life. Give God time on Sunday to thank him. 
See you on Monday at 2. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.